lots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me. Good morning this morning. Uh, good morning this morning and happy Thursday today. The Manafort trial goes to jury deliberations. We'll see how that thing goes. There's a chance he could be acquitted. That'll be interesting. Listen to some analysis yesterday. In fact, it seems almost uh, maybe even highly unlikely. But we will follow up on that. Chelsea Clinton is getting it. Huh. Don't fence me in. She's out there. What does that bode for the potential perhaps a a Chelsea Clinton candidacy? What do you think would happen there? We have Nancy Pelosi coming to the defense of Maxine Waters. Seth Meyers sucking up to Elizabeth Warren. The dog thing. This is this is a very interesting discussion about about dogs. Now the question is whether or not President Trump actually hates dogs. So there are after calling Amorosa a dog, now they're investigating whether or not President Trump is actually now a dog hater since he used the dog pejoratively as a means of attacking somebody. So, yeah, that's the sum total of the investigation there at MSNBC. So we'll follow up on that. The Chelsea Clinton thing is kind of interesting. And then there's a poll. And it talks about Donald Trump's approval rating among blacks and what do you think the approval rating among blacks is compared to that maybe of last year keeping in mind that the news media over the past 
oh, year and a half, the first 500 days of the presidency of Donald Trump has actually spent a lot of time accusing the president of being a racist. So how do you think those numbers have shaken up for President Donald Trump? Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, going to be stunning to you, but you probably already know the answer since predictably, of course, it's different than what the news media is telling you. This morning I got a – and also this this security clearance deal. The only thing that is crazy about the security clearance issue for me is how many people still have security clearance when they're not even in the government anymore. How is it that Peter Strzok and James Comey, Clapper, and all these other individuals still have security clearance anyway? And I realized they took it away from uh, Brennan yesterday, and wisely so. I mean, but, but why do these people have security clearance to begin with? They're not even in government anymore. Why would Brennan have – why doesn't President Trump just wipe the security clearance away for everybody? I don't understand why it's necessary for these folks to still maintain it. Lisa Page still has security clearance. You know, Peter Strzok's paramour. I'm, uh, I'm hearing either headphones or something. I'm hearing, my, I'm hearing myself again, just like it was yesterday, where I'm hearing myself in headphones. There must be headphones up someplace. Yesterday, uh, I was hearing myself, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't like, uh, it wasn't me being weird. It was, I, honestly, I was hearing myself in headphones someplace. We got it? Okay, good. I, I knew it. I, I, you weren't saying I was crazy, Matt, but I, 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 there was, we couldn't figure out the source, and I knew there was something going on there. Thank you, buddy. So I got, uh, I got, this was interesting. It must be like a lucky day thing or something, but I got two Kennedy half dollars has changed today. Isn't that weird? Who does, who does the uh, Kennedy half dollar thing again these days? This is from, this is a, uh, I can't see, but Lord, 1980 Kennedy half dollar. And then I got another one. This is a, this is a nineteen seventy one Kennedy half dollar. Damn, it's it's. I mean, it's it's in good shape. Wonder who? Uh, oh God, I don't know. Have you all been seeing? Uh, have you all been seeing a run uh, on uh, Kennedy half dollars? I don't know. But I was thought, thought it was interesting. I, it's like getting. It's almost like getting a two dollar bill. You know. And they and they, and they, don't, they seem kind of. They don't seem real, but they are real. Yeah, I wish I could see better, but I got two Kennedy half dollars as as change. 1980. Actually, that's 89. And this one is a uh, someone who stole them. Yeah, probably Lisa. Probably someone like raided somebody's piggy bank or. or Coin collection because this this nineteen seventy one half and by the way I I'm one of those suckers for the uh, coin collector people so I, so I do all kind like I you know Danbury Mint and PCS coins they send me stuff and for a while I I was a sucker for all of that I would always get these uh, coin sets 
you know, I, I got all the presidential dollars. I got that coin set. I got the uh, the state coins set. Then I got the state coins with the state parks set. Then I got all the Benjamin Franklin halves and all of the Washington quarters. And I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty avid coin collector going way back when I was a kid. And my grandma and grandpa would travel the world. They'd bring me back world coins. But I also have a, a pretty large collection of American coins. I, I love doing it. I collect them, and I'm a sucker for these coin sets because, you know, the, especially the ones that come in the, you know, the cases. You know, they, they give you the keys and stuff like that. But I did, I did those for the kids mostly just because I thought it would be uh, cool to have as, as, for them later on in life to have, uh, you know, some of these cool little sets, you know. I mean, it's one thing to collect the coins. Another thing to have stories that are told with the coins. And I always said that was pretty cool. So I'm kind of a sucker for that. But, yeah, I've never, never figured I'd get, uh, get half dollars in, as change. So that's pretty cool. And now, I'll, I probably, now I probably won't spend them because I'll keep them. Or I might spend one, but the 1971 one, which is in really good shape, I think I'm going to I'm going to keep. 1971, folks, a long time ago. All right. So this thing with Brennan, I'm so glad yesterday they took the they 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 took out the security clearance for him. But I was really disturbed to know how many other people still maintained the security clearance. And keep in mind Mark Kaysen texted me yesterday over this whole thing, and so I'm going to uh, call him up in just a little bit here and kind of uh, razzmatazz him and see and see what's going on with uh, Brennan. He texted me last week, free John Brennan. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah, he's free all right now because he's free not to leak classified material. But the, the, the idea that even Lisa Page still has a security clearance is beyond me. These people are corrupt, and these people have no business maintaining security clearance, and it's about time. NBC News thought this was just outrageous. They, they thought it was uh, terrible that John Brennan uh, was – was stripped of his clearance. So these guys, none of these guys, should have it. And I'm I'm surprised the news isn't about how many people still do have it. But yeah, and NBC was going crazy. Good evening, everyone. It looks a lot like payback tonight for some former senior government officials who have spoken out against President Trump. It's it, it's not a matter of payback, nor is it a matter of speaking out. John Brennan, it's been proven that he has leaked classified documents he he in fact was the one who had uh the remember the letter that harry reed wrote regarding the dossier and the russia collusion claim remember that one that was written just so it could ultimately be leaked and was uh, officially out there and brennan was the one behind that so he's a bad guy he's a bad player and if it's payback, then so be it. President Trump ought to seek revenge on all of these people and strip them of their security clearance. Why does Valerie Jarrett still have security clearance from the Obama administration? Why does she still have security clearance? Why does no one who is no longer employed by the federal government in any capacity 
ought to be stripped of their security clearance. President yanking the security clearance for former CIA boss John Brennan today, accusing him of using his access to sow division and chaos of the White House. And tonight, several others are on notice their access to classified materials could be coming to an end, too. Good. Good. Andrew McCabe still has security clearance, and he's been gone for months now. And, and, and these guys, you talk about Russia collusion. The people who have done the most damage, the people who have sowed the most division in this country aren't Russians. They're Americans like Brennan. But boy, did NBC bitch up a storm about this. Our Kristen Welker explains what's behind it. Unprecedented. President Trump tonight revoking the security clearance of one of his harshest critics. Yeah, I mean, unprecedented. That's, that's a bummer. That's unprecedented. I think every president should have done this. I, I wouldn't have cared if Obama stripped security clearance of former officials in the government who were no longer there. If I were Obama, I would have done it. The fact that it's unprecedented is disturbing to me. How much damage has been done by former officials in any capacity? And I don't care whether it's in the Obama administration when he was president. How many former officials did damage to our sitting commanders in chief by maintaining security clearance when they shouldn't have? So the fact that this is unprecedented is actually very disturbing. You see how weird it is to watch the news sometimes because these people are telling you things like it's criticism when, in fact, we're sitting at home cheering when we're seeing the news. Most Americans, again, and I hate to keep repeating myself, most Americans are like, oh, wow, those people had security clearance? How is that possible? I mean, every time I turned around, John Brennan was attacking President Trump, every time you turn around, he's on TV attacking President Trump. He's on MSNBC attacking him. And this guy has a security clearance? Now I think I know why James Clapper was defending the president the other day when it came to the Amorosa thing. Because I think he is trying to, uh, I think he's trying to cover for himself and avoid, keep this from happening to him. But, yeah, Martha points out that Clapper suggested Obama take clearances. I, I, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I guess I can't guarantee you that I would have reacted the same way. But if you take my word for it, had it come out during Obama's tenure and he took the security clearances of people who were from the Bush administration, I would have said, uh, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. You, you, you come in and you make sure that there are people, if they're not in your administration or if they even actively fought against you, you yank the security clearances. Career intelligence official and former CIA director John Brennan, who's also an NBC News analyst. Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. <laughs> now, now you know why NBC News is so freaked out about this, because now they can't they can't have a leaker as one of their multi-member panelists on the NBC shows on Meet the Press. It was very convenient to have somebody who didn't work in the Trump administration still having access to secrets in the Trump administration. That, was, that must have come in handy for NBC News. 
reading a statement from the president in which he accused Brennan of erratic behavior and abusing his access without offering evidence. Mr. Brennan has recently leveraged his status as a former high-ranking official with access to highly sensitive information to make a series of unfounded and outrageous allegations, wild outbursts on the internet and television about this administration. I mean, yeah, why this makes so much sense. They ought to be hammering this guy, and they ought to be pursuing the entire list of people who are no longer with the administration who ought to have their security clearances taken. It has called Mr. Trump everything from a traitor to a danger to the country, and he responded forcefully tonight. Revoking my security clearances uh, is his way of trying to get back at me. Yeah, boo-hoo, you baby. You loudmouth traitor. Boo-hoo. We ought to deport you. But the fact of the matter is, Brennan has, in fact, called President Trump a traitor. How, how, how would a guy in any capacity as a former White House official or a former intelligence official calling the president a traitor, how could he possibly still have security clearance? How could Peter Strzok, Andrew McCabe, James Comey, Lisa Page... Valerie Jarrett, any of these other people still have security clearances. This ought to be an outrage to most people. But um, I think I have uh, tried to voice the concerns of millions of Americans, and uh, this is not. But you're, but you're not. Your job is not to voice the concerns of millions of Americans. No one elected you to voice the concerns of millions of Americans. You're not a representative of millions of Americans. You're a former spook out there prostituting yourself for left-wing news organizations calling the president a traitor. You're, 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 what, what is Brennan running for? To deter me at all. The White House also announcing it's reviewing the security clearances of other intelligence and law enforcement officials, many of them Trump critics or involved in the Russia investigation. Yeah. Yeah, they, ought, they all ought to be stripped. The, the president shouldn't stop with Brennan. He ought to go on a, a, a massacre tour, a security clearance massacre. Do it on Saturday night and call it the Saturday night massacre. Yeah. Including fired FBI director James Comey. Yeah, he's a fired FBI director. Why does he still have security clearance? Former CIA director Michael Hayden. Michael oh- Hayden. Why does he still have Security clearance. He's been out there squawking and attacking President Trump, and he's no longer employed with the government. Obama's national security advisor, Susan Rice. Susan Rice. Why does she still have security clearance? Susan Rice. Susan Rice is the one who went on TV and beyond and lied about Benghazi and everything else. Why does she still have a security clearance? Former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, who called the move an infringement of First Amendment rights. That's, a, that's ridiculous that it's an infringement of First Amendment rights. These guys are former employees and have – how is it a, a First Amendment right that they have security clearances? I, I mean, we, we, need, we need to get into this whole thing more deeply, and President Trump shouldn't stop there. But people are going crazy over this thing. And it's interesting how Cheryl Atkinson, uh, thank goodness for her, is trying to respond on Twitter 
and voraciously so, to this attempt to turn this issue into a free speech issue. And Brennan went out there and called it a free speech issue. Andrea Mitchell said that this is just simply about silencing a critic. And, and, and you know what? Maybe it is. But what, if your critic is using classified information to criticize you and in invading the classified information lockers, of course you're going to shut them down. Why wouldn't you? And, and, and Cheryl Atkinson went on, on Twitter and said, uh, remember, John Brennan is a lot of things. But she's, he's not an ordinary critic. And she said his greatest hits include misleading Senate intel Democrats about his CA spying on Congress and got away with it. He's now, he's now a TV news analyst. Silencing John Brennan, she said, uh, would make it where he couldn't be a TV personality or removing him from Twitter or social media or hitting with an injunction, that would be silencing him. But to my knowledge, uh, John Brennan has not been silenced. In fact, he was interviewed about the thing. That's not, that's not him being silenced. And, and, of course, it all went out as basically an alert, so the news media basically just uh, repeated and regurgitated all this. And... They're all the networks are going crazy because they're all really, really concerned about losing their access, losing their analysts. And again, there's an interesting article. This is from December of 2014, and this is in the Atlantic. And this is and by the way, people wondering whether Condi Rice or people like that still have security clearances. I hope not. I don't think Condi Rice ought to have security clearances uh, or, or, or even past Republicans or anybody. If you're not in employed by the Trump administration or in the federal government in terms of your job as law enforcement or intelligence, you should not have security clearance. I find no compelling reason why anybody who is not currently working for the government or for the President Trump to have security clearances, especially when they're TV analysts like Brennan was. But anyway, this article is a very interesting one, and you ought to check it out. This is uh, entitled A Brief History of the CIA's Unpunished Spying on the Senate. President Obama's choice to lead the agency the intelligence agency, has undermined core checks and balances with impunity. This is from December of 2014. Last March, and this is, this is from December 2014, so this is March of that year before, or, or of that 2014. Last March, Senator Dianne Feinstein accused the CIA of spying on the Senate Intelligence Committee as it labored to finalize its report on the torture of prisoners. So it all goes back to... Uh, the deal in Iraq. She said, I have grave concerns that the CIA's search may well have violated the separation of powers principles embodied by the United States Constitution. At the time, the CIA director, John Brennan, denied the charge, uh, and he said we wouldn't do that. 
But this was a situation where it turns out John Brennan did apologize to Feinstein and the committee's ranking Republicans, and he'd set up an internal internal accountability board to review this issue. And you know what? The internal review board did, in fact, conduct its investigation and announced the results of its review. And they basically said all this spying, the unlawful computer searches, and all that kind of thing of the committee were done at the behest of Brennan, his own internal investigation. This guy is a bad guy. He is a bad actor, and it's fantastic that finally he was punished, and rightly so. And the the fact that these other guys are all out there still with security clearances, whether it be Andrew McCabe, James Comey, Susan Rice uh, ought to be an absolute travesty to the American people. So the big news coming out of yesterday, to me, was not the denial of a security clearance for John Brennan, but the fact that so many other people have them who shouldn't. And I'll be consistent here. If former Bush people have them, They ought to be stripped of it, too. It ought to be all the way across the board. And I love Condi Rice, but I don't think she ought to have a security clearance at all. These people, if they they have no oath of loyalty to the administration of the United States government anymore, they ought to be stripped of it. That's just my opinion about the whole thing. I'll call Mark Kaysen here in a second. But it's a a lot of school activity going on. It's a very busy week. And you can see it. It's interesting because uh, I can kind of see the numbers. For instance, like on on Facebook, you know, our viewer numbers drop drastically on Facebook. So a lot of you uh, are finding that there are some people there who were there before who aren't there now. And that's because school dramatically changes the way people consume the Radio Free Almond products. So some of you uh, are a, uh, you know, we've got a lot of viewers now. Considering, but their stream is just going crazy. So we appreciate all of you who are kind of switching, staying with us while adjusting your schedules because school started for a lot of people. My girl started school yesterday and then Aiden starts school today. And so a lot of people's schedules are changing. But the great news for you is that either you can go ahead and grab your phone and your Facebook plug-in. Uh, and take it with you and pop it into your uh, Bluetooth. Or you can take, of course, the stream. If you haven't downloaded the app already, you can do it on your Android as well as your iPhone. So knock yourselves out. All right, more to come. We've got Mark Cation on the way, Genevieve Wood we're going to have in uh, at about 7.30 today to talk more about the national political landscape. Chelsea Clinton is out there, and boy, If she's going to be running for higher office, this little quote from her regarding how abortions have saved the country so much money uh, is going to be money itself down the line. So we've got that going for us. And also NBC's investigation of whether or not President Trump hates dogs. Yeah, I'm not kidding you. Brian Williams 
is back at it again. We are back at it again here. It's Thursday, and we are live from the Discovery Design Studios, discoverydesigninc.com. For all of your business's truck needs, fleet needs, you name it, you want to wrap them, paint them, Build them from the ground up, Discovery Design, Inc., a product of my guys over at Arrowhead, Rick and Jerry Pogue, and the rest of the guys, is ready to act for you. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. so sure that the prosecution delivered on its promise to make a case against We'll see how it all shakes out. It'd be very interesting if he is ultimately hugely damaging to the efforts of Mueller and the rest of the gang hugely damaging. So they call Casey at about 7 o'clock, by the way, because uh, i got some interesting news to tell you about the poll numbers 
movie on the couch regarding black like approval you. ratings like, for like fingers in your mouth President Trump. Son playing drums with a bleach bone just like Also, you. by the like, way, we are setting up like for let you know my guys over at Santino Cigars and Cocktails. Mike Chan is the rest of the gang here. Radio Free All and Happy Hour now, sometime in September, so just going to keep you guys up to date on that. Please, thanks. Uh, she watched the rest of the show last night. I, I love the fact that on, on Facebook you can re-watch the show and you can do all kinds of things and, and see the Radio Free Almond show at your leisure. You can go back and check it out parts you missed, whatever, and Elise was impressed by the appearance of Kim Paris, and of course, Kim is a great old friend of mine, and one of the original uh, Tea Party folks, and she just is a fabulous person, and love having her in, and Elise, thank you, I'm glad you uh, you appreciated her and her input in the show, She's uh, she and I go way back, and have kind of reconnected uh, in the wake of what's been going on here, and she has her new business, ApacheBlaze.com, so make sure you check that out where she's making all these kinds of glass pipes and things like that. And people are, Is that drug paraphernalia? It's like, well, a lot of people do it for vaping or even tobacco for that matter, but it's very ornate and beautiful stuff, uh, original glass uh, designs and things like that, and it's really uh, cool. She's making jewelry and the, that kind of stuff, uh, but it's a homegrown company. It's an American-made company, and everything is made in America. And you know what? For that matter, it all can be used. So also can be used for people who are now taking advantage of uh, the allowance of the use of medical marijuana. I mean, that's just the that's just the way it goes. You got to strike while the iron is hot. But Kim is going to be a regular, and I'm actually configuring a possibility as we develop the Radio Free Almond Network, which, again, you guys might think it's kind of taking a while for us to get the other shows on, but that that will be taking a little while. We're, we're building a studio, a new studio, uh, Radio Free Almond 2.0, probably sometime mid-September or towards the end there, whatever, as we get everything together, and then we're going to have all the... Um, revelations of all the new programs. I'm trying to get Kim and Gia maybe to do a show with each other. I've uh, talked to Mama Kay, by the way. Uh, we've been texting. We've been kind of missing each other about the the Paranormal show, which I'm going to – I think is awesome. I want to get that on. So we've got a lot of plans for you. It's just it take a little while. You know, It's one of those things. We have built the network out of nothing a month after the whole debacle there, and so we're back in action. Anyway, the Santino Cigars and Cocktails Happy Hour, just kind of stay tuned for that. We're going to be uh, up and running uh, sometime in September down at beautiful Santino Cigars and Cocktails where they have your bottle and they have all the cigars you could possibly want and a fabulous exhaust system. So you can go there, check it out, have a cigar or not, have a beer or not, a whiskey or not, whatever gin you want they've got. And you can walk out, and you are not stinking like a cigar. Not that it's a bad thing for some people. They like it, but Mike has really invested a lot in making that company great. And I will tell you, though, that hopefully also come November, uh, they'll be wide open in St. Charles County at some point. He's trying to open a store, a bar up there in St. Charles County, but it's in limbo because these goofballs are all considering a smoking ban in St. Charles County, which is uh, outrageous 
and the whole slope smoking ban thing to begin with. But anyway, we're attempting to uh, see if we can uh, we can get that defeated in November. All right, so the Trump approval ratings among black voters. Now, this is a Rasmussen poll. And again, you all know how I feel about polls, and I know how you feel about polls as well. And, you know, they're not really all that trustworthy. You know, we, we saw the polls in the run-up to the 2016 election. Most of them were wrong. A few of them were right. Rasmussen actually was more right than wrong on a number of different levels. And, you know, polls can often be used to push things. So, so I'm just get, but, but nonetheless, I, I have relayed them to you on a regular basis, whether it's bad news or good news or not, and just let you kind of take in the information, whatever information you feel like taking in. And if you like it uh, and if you approve of it, if you can trust it, fine. If you don't, that's fine too. But President Trump's approval among black voters has almost doubled in a year. President Trump's approval among black voters has almost doubled in the space of a year. That is from the Rasmussen's daily presidential tracking poll. President Trump's approval rating among black voters stands at 36%. That is compared to just 19% last year. The significant rise in approval is likely, according to this report here, an endorsement of President Trump's economic policies that uh, black Americans are finally convinced that President Trump is actually working for them as much as he is for anybody else. It's also a pretty good reflection, ladies and gents, that uh, of the of the view that I've had on this before when whenever People say, what has President Trump done for black people or why hasn't he done this for black people? And I've always maintained that there's a little bit of uh, of soft bigotry in that statement. And unfortunately, it comes from black people themselves, which is always disturbing. But there's a little bit of soft bigotry there in saying that because in my opinion blacks have the same kinds of hopes and dreams that white people do there's no there's no separate interest that black people have aside from white people and why people think that they do is kind of strange and so when the president puts into motion economic policies that benefit americans these are economic policies that benefit black people. Black people don't require a certain level of coddling or a special unit of economic policy for them. They, they, they don't. And white liberals think they do. And some black activists, some black fire breathers like Sharpton and others think they do. But most normal black Americans – and most normal people just figure, yeah, black people want boats and cars and kids and homes and tuition payments just like everybody else. Uh, they want peace. They want prosperity. They want security just like everybody else. No difference 
whatsoever. The fact that it has doubled over the past year is also shocking considering the drumbeat of false accusations against the president of him being a racist or not doing this, not doing that. 36% is still low. But the fact that it's doubled over the past year is a sure sign that ultimately the truth is winning out and that lies are not. And this can only go higher as our economic prospects increase. But 36% over 19% is fairly significant. Uh, Also a sign that black people are seeing record low unemployment among the black population. And we've seen the stock market rise to record highs. By the way, I hope black people don't have Bitcoin any more than I hope white people don't because that that was the scam of the century, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, sure, there are some people who apparently have made some money off this thing, but this Bitcoin thing, there's, they're, they're now on – people are on suicide watch over this Bitcoin deal. That was a disaster. I remember talking to one guy about this because he was trying to – because what it is is it's, it's a pyramid scheme really and and the Bitcoin people all try to get other people to get involved in the Bitcoin thing because they they don't succeed and the value of the Bitcoin doesn't rise if other people aren't playing the game. It's kind of like as is, as with any investment, that's how that thing works out. So – This Bitcoin thing, boy, people are taking a huge bath. Not that it was real in the first place, but boy, that thing is uh, tanking big. But anyway, back to the – oh, Kaysen now wants me to call him early. I'm going to call you early, huh, buddy? Is this lathering you up, is it? Is the truth bothering you? I'm going to make you wait just a little bit longer, Mark Kaysen. The data here also suggests that – President Trump is uh, basically defeating these accusations of racism from the Democratic left. And this whole Omarosa stuff is nobody cares. I mean, Omarosa and her claims, all they do is reinforce people who hate President Trump already. But most normal Americans are looking at this woman and they just think she's crazy as a loon anyway. And and they also think President Trump wasn't wise to hire her in the first place. And this is what you get when you get self-absorbed, weird, needy psychos in your administration who um, are disloyal and tape you all the time while they're singing your praises. It's uh, – anyway, nobody cares. And, and in fact – the Politico even has a report out, by the way, saying there aren't any tapes. Of, of there's nothing. There's there are tapes, but there's nothing that is in any way, shape, or form an indictment of President Trump. There's no N word. There's there's nothing about Trump's family on these tapes. If if there were, as I told you, we'd have heard them by now. We would have heard them by now. It's the most ridiculous fake news controversy I've seen in a long time. But the N-word thing should go down in the annals of 
fake news history as one of those things where I think he, we think he said the N-word. Enter 10-member panel on CNN to say, yeah, you know what? We wouldn't put it past him because, after all, President Trump's a racist, you know. And then, yeah, we heard him in a room say that it wouldn't be so. Yeah, we, we but not one ounce of proof. Not one ounce of proof. Then Sarah Huckabee Sanders can't guarantee that he's ever been on tape saying the N-word. And of course she can't guarantee it. Who, who would be able to guarantee that? But she said based on her knowledge of him, it wouldn't have been come out of his mouth and she wouldn't work for him if it did. Anyway, these figures with the 36% black approval of President Trump are unbelievably impressive when you compare them to President Trump's very disappointing performance among black voters in the 2016 presidential election. Because listen to these numbers from 2016. Keep in mind, this is 2018. It is August 16th. And the numbers from November of 2016 went thusly. He garnered 8% support among black men and 4% support among black women. 8% support among black men, 4% support among black women. And his approval rating, according to Rasmussen, right now stands at 36%. Why do you think that is? Well, if you're Marcation, you can think that Rasmussen is just a big fat liar, which I guess if Given poll numbers, you you never know. They could be all jinked up and propaganda, whatever. Or you can realize that President Trump's policies, the chickens are finally coming home to roost. Yeah, that finally people are seeing results. And that you can talk about President Trump's personality and his tweets and his this and his that all day long. But eventually, the facts continue to speak louder than the lies. And that's what's going on right now, 36%, considering that his voting at the time of his election was just 8 for men, black men, and 4% for black women. So things are happening. They found also, by the way, just his overall approval rating is about 49% of likely voters, uh, 49% disapprove. So uh, it's... From Rasmussen, and and they're, they're, Rasmussen is one of the more uh, one of the more, I think, reliable pollsters out there. But again, I've always told you that that we take it with a grain of salt. You don't have to believe every word that's coming out of my mouth, but so far so good among Black Americans who are finally seeing the light and finally seeing the lies. That is for sure. By the way, did you hear uh, David Clark? He was interviewed uh, by by uh, uh, (laughs) the sheriff, David Clark. Looking at all the coverage, he was interviewed Um, on Breitbart. How do you and and, and 
did you hear what he said about Amorosa? He he was interviewed on this Breitbart news show, and you think President Trump calling Amorosa a dog is a terrible thing? Well, well, well listen to Sheriff David Clark how he what how do you he describes all her. of this stuff that's going on in the media. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Uh, it really has. My experience here with the president himself. You know, I worked on the campaign, got to know him very well, and then after he was sworn in. Uh, he still kept in touch with me. I kept in touch with him. So I kind of know him, and he doesn't have a racist bone in his body. We all know this is political, but speaking to uh, Amarosa, I know her well, too. I know her personally. Met her on the campaign, talked to her a lot. Met her after the inauguration when she was in the White House. So I got to know both of these people. And you know, I heard the other day that uh, you know that she was coming out with this book and, and some of the accusations she made, I thought, you know, I don't know if I could say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I thought, what a rat bastard, because the president has been nothing but loyal to her. She feigned loyalty to him. I think he just called Amorosa a rat bastard. I think. Did he just call her a rat bastard? And then all of a sudden, when things didn't go her way, she crapped on him. And, and, and you know, it's just... It's, Let me just so, you know, I worked on the campaign, got to know him very well, and then after he was sworn in, uh, he still kept in touch with me. I kept in touch with him. Yeah. So I kind of know him, and he doesn't have a racist bone in his body. We all know this is political, but speaking to uh, Amorosa, I know her well, too. I know her personally. Met her on the campaign, talked to her a lot. Met her after the inauguration mm-hmm. when she was in the White House. So I got to know both of these people. And you know, I heard the other day that uh, you know that she was coming out with this book and, and some of the accusations she made, I thought, you know, I don't know if I could say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I thought, what a rat bastard, because the president <laughs> has been nothing but loyal to her. She feigned loyalty to him. And then all of a sudden, when things didn't go her way, she crapped on him. And, and, and you know, it's just it's despicable. The, the woman's not believable. She's always been a, Yeah, because uh, she's a rat bastard, says Sheriff Clark. Good for him. Good for him. By the way, did you see... Uh, the latest investigation by NBC News after President Trump called Omarosa a dog. The, 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 the resources of MSNBC kicked into action and, and, they, and they conducted a thoughtful investigation. And, of course, you can always rely on Brian Williams to conduct a thoughtful investigation. You know. Does this president really... Physically not like dogs? Yeah. That's what you're getting on MSNBC. A report on whether or not the president dislikes dogs or not. Uh, that's right, Brian. He's actually the first president in more than 100 years who's not had a dog uh, as a pet. in. The- uh-huh. He's the per- first president. You know, the president, he's the first one in 100 years to not have a dog. No wonder he's so insensitive to dogs. House. He has lived with a dog before when he first got married to his first wife, Ivana. Uh, she brought with her a poodle. Uh, he resisted the dog. He didn't want to have anything to do with the poodle, but she said the poodle's coming along. Chappie. Are you, yes, you're, you're really hearing this. This is not a, this is not a Saturday Night Live skit. This, this, is, this is not a, this is not a, a report from The Onion. This is this is really happening on MSNBC. This is really being discussed. 
this is too much. I got to start it over. Physically not like dogs. Uh, that's right, Brian. He's actually the first president in more than 100 years who's not had a dog uh, as a pet in the White House. He has lived with a dog before when he first got married to his first wife, Ivana. Uh, she brought with her a poodle. Uh, he resisted the dog. He didn't want to have anything to do with the poodle, but she said the poodle's coming along. Chappie's coming along. Turns out Chappie didn't like Trump very much because whenever Trump would come near Ivana's closet, Chappie would bark at him territorially. It- this is really happening, people. You're really listening to this individual who is being interviewed by Brian Williams about President Trump's dog background. And this is Philip Rucker, who's the Washington Post reporter. So not only do you have MSNBC dedicating its resources to President Trump's dog past, you have the Washington Post doing it too. Regaling us with how, you know, one time the dog barked at President Trump when he came around the closet of whoever. This is Ivana writes about this in her memoir that came out a few months ago. We launched an extensive web search that took us at least a few minutes, and we could only find one photo extant in all the land of Donald Trump yeah, with a dog. Yes, but- I'm not kidding you. This is really happening. So they did an extensive search. And, of course, Brian Williams, I guess, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but they're doing the story. So there's no tongue-in-cheek here. They're doing the story, and they did, in fact, conduct a search on the Internet trying to find any evidence of President Trump touching a dog, holding a dog, looking at a dog, And they finally did find, they only found one photo of him with a dog. It's deadly serious what he does uh, with that word, uh, using it as an attack. He's dehumanizing his enemies. That's the. And and he doesn't like dogs, apparently. So the dog, the, the calling Amorosa a dog is also an indication of President Trump's deep seated hatred of dogs there. Uh, And there's a long history, actually, of authoritarian leaders uh, who've used these animalistic slurs. uh, (laughs) Unbelievable. I I have to admit, it's kind of funny. Uh, And and I, I appreciate them providing us with so many laughs here. But you've got the Washington Post and MSNBC teaming up for a Trump dog investigation. Unbelievable. I'm going to get Marcation on here in a second, but I want to backtrack because when I was telling you about the date today and I was, uh, I was telling you about the black approval poll numbers and I said today is August 16th. Suddenly it occurs to me, wait a minute, August 16th, August 16th, yeah, August 16th, what happened to our, what happened to our broadcast? Oh, we're back on, though. We're still right. We just had it interrupted. 
So they didn't kick us off, did they? No. All right, so just interrupted. You know why? Because Elvis's ghost wanted to queue up more music. And I said, yeah. August 16th, right. August 16th, 1977. Mark the death of Elvis Presley. Yes, Mama Kay, someone said ghost. Yes, they did. 41 years ago. Thank you, Margaret Sharp, for the math. 41 years ago today, the death of Elvis Presley. August 16th, 1977. I in fact, uh, I in fact know exactly where I was when I heard the news of Elvis Presley's death, August sixteenth, nineteen seventy-seven. I was in Florida. I was uh, on vacation in Florida. Those were back in the days when August sixteenth, we were still ways away from going to school, for crying out loud. We didn't go to school until after Labor Day, for crying out loud. Did I just say crying out loud twice? Yeah, I did. So on August 16th, 1977, hell, we were, summer was still alive and kicking. We were still rolling, baby. It was still summer. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't go, uh, we didn't didn't go back to school until after Labor Day. It's not. We normally didn't get out until uh, June 5th or something, as I recall. I, sometimes I think it's even as late as June 8th or 9th or something like that back in the day. But, but yeah, we, we, we were still summer, summering. And uh, I was down in Florida with uh, my dad. And I was there for vacation and I had just gotten through I'll never forget this went swimming and hanging out went to the beach for a little while came in for lunch and I love me some hot dogs and so I think I had uh, I made a couple of hot dogs boiled the hot dogs didn't have a microwave then and then uh, made a couple hot dogs. It's going to go back out and swim after that. And then uh, the news flash that Elvis Presley died. So, pretty big deal. Yeah, August 16, 1977, people. 41 years ago, the death of Elvis Presley. It was shocking to a lot of people. And uh, you ever hear him sing uh, America the Beautiful? Am I, am I going to get kicked off of Facebook for Elvis? Do you think they would do that to me? In the ghetto. Ghetto. Did you see that? Did you see that story about my guys over at Mentality Health getting juiced on the front page of the Post Dispatch for this fake, this fake letter? Email that was sent to some woman saying her name was too ghetto. Made a, made a big deal out of the whole thing. It was clearly somebody, a former employee, 
gotten into the email and sent her this thing. It was totally fake. But that didn't stop them from doing the story anyway. But my buddy Kev, Kevin Morat was out in front of the whole thing. And thank goodness for that. But yeah, August 16th, 1977, the death of Elvis Presley, everybody. You ever hear him sing America the Beautiful? I wish I'm going to try to see if I can do a little bit. Bye, Lise. Appreciate you. She's switching to the app. I told you, a lot of people, I've got to change a little way we're configuring things because with school starting and everything else, uh, people's habits are starting to change. And so there's a lot of people are piling on Facebook early, leaving later. Sometimes piling on a little later, taking the phone with them. But the app is always available to you as well. But, uh, yeah. And, again, I was in Florida because we still had a summer, August 16th, 1977, and heard the news of the death of Elvis Presley. America the Beautiful. I love this. He, I think he did a great job with this. And he's a good man, Elvis was. Awesome guy. For spacious times, for him. Now keep in mind, I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to have to kind of talk over this a little bit because I got to. I got to trick the the algorithm people. I need, to, I need to confuse the gremlins. Make Marquise listen to this. He sees the flag. It's like water to the witch. Good morning this morning, everybody. i got to keep talking just a little bit. I don't know whether they would do this on the day of Elvis's death, the anniversary of his death. Oh, beautiful. For spacious skies. Now he's speaking, so maybe they won't catch this. For amber waves of rain. Thank you, buddy. For purple mountains. Majesty. Above... Can anybody really find anything wrong with Elvis Presley? America. America. I mean, was there ever really anything like bad about the guy except for the fact that he didn't take really good care of himself? I can't find anything. I mean, he even shot his TV, apparently, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, there's like nothing, nothing in his background. Yeah, I mean, Father Tom, yeah, prescription addiction, but that's his own deal, though, you know? And I feel bad for him. And Vicky, you're right, he did love this country. He did love this country, he did. But I, but I can't... I can't, I can't figure out anything wrong with this guy. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, riding down Santa Claus <laughs> Oh, man. He, he was the you-know-what, man. I feel bad because I think his pill addiction and all that just came from all the pressure and the indulgences of wealth and all that stuff, but... And he had peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Richard, that's... That's awesome. Peanut butter and banana sandwiches, shoots his TV. 
And whether he's singing about Santa Claus or the United States of America, it's all love. Love, 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 love. Love for this country, love for Santa Claus. Love for mahogany and walls covered in carpet. Love for airplanes, 727s. Love for a big fat belt around his waist. I don't think I can't find any. And he was always nice to his people, apparently. All of his uh, bandmates and all those people. Of all the things I've ever heard of Elvis, I've never heard one bad thing about how he treated other people. He'd buy them cars and stuff like that. Listen to him. Let's give thanks to the Lord above because Santa Claus comes tonight. Listen to him. Precious. Precious guy Elvis was. And you know what? The other thing was, too, is that uh, I went down to see Graceland one time. And Vicky says the Dems must have hated him. Yeah, I bet they did. Little less conversation. Great drumming there, too. But no, I went down to uh, the Graceland, and I was a little surprised at how how small Graceland appeared to me. It looked like a, like a home in Olivet. I never forget going down there thinking, I know this is a mansion, but it doesn't seem like it's a mansion. It's kind of like a it's a ranch home, and it didn't seem very big to me. Then they had a they had a the airplane in the in the background in the parking lot there his airplane which is really cool love going down there it's busy today the only thing I regret about uh, Graceland is I wasn't able to get the I wasn't able to get the the Japanese tape of the of the guided tour which is really what I wanted I, w- I wanted to get, you know, how they have those tapes and things. I wanted to get the the Japanese guided tour. I don't know why. It was something weird about me doing that. But I wanted to, I wanted the Japanese cassette tape. I said, can I please have, I'll buy it. No, can't have it. But it was the one people, like if you're Japanese and you put the cassette tape in there, and that gives you the guided tour of the house. I wanted the Japanese version of that. Call Marcation here. Hold on. Well, good morning. Now, hold on a second. Elvis is ta- is singing right now, Marcation. You're going to have to make room for Elvis just for a second here. All right. We love Elvis. Sometimes. You do? Sometimes. Listen to that. Golly, just amazing. Okay, hang on. Let me just do this real quickly. I got to get rid of Elvis here. Unfortunately, have him leave the building, and then have uh, Mark Hayson enter the building. Hold on. You there? Hang on. Why is this not working here? Little less conversation. You there, Mark? Hold on. My, I, I have some. I have something with the uh, the audio here that's not working here. I don't know why. Hold on. You there? 
Hold on. Skype isn't working. I'm going to call you back. Hang on. Speakers are muted. I don't, I, don't, I don't want the speakers muted, damn it. You there? I'm still here. Okay. You weren't talking earlier. That's why. You were trying to fool me, were you? Weren't you? I'm still here. Okay. Hey, listen. Try to get a, be a little more excited. You're on Radio Free Almond. You sound like you're, you're, you're being uh, uh, limousine to the gallows right now. What's the matter with you? You didn't like those poll numbers from Rasmussen? Turn on the microphones and we'll be fine. Okay. Well, they're on. You there? Okay. Good. Right. I'm here. Okay, good. Just act more excited. You're, you, you, you should be I'm totally thanking. excited. First of all, I was very excited when you talked about the self-absorbed, needy <laughs> psychopath. <laughs> but, then, but then when you got to the who it was, you just slightly got it wrong because we know it's Donald. But, you know, and I don't know that Amorosa, I don't know that she's a problem. I really, you know, I don't know what she is. I mean, she was a problem because she even admits she was complicit in all the insanity that was going on previously. Yeah. So she, so she lies okay. too. Well, well, here's a lot a, of people lie. You mean you mean the insanity of a booming economy that apparently now is coming home to Stop roost it. in the form Obama. of monster approval? Obama. No, we've we've talked about that already. It was exhaustively right. displayed, even on Gateway Pundit, how this is not Obama's economy. But again. Uh, this situation regarding the poll numbers from Rasmussen, and I realize all of us, to a certain degree, uh, distrust polls. I'm acknowledging that. I'm acknowledging that polls don't always tell us the truth. In fact, sometimes, uh, more often than not, they don't tell us the truth. But this poll, even if it's slightly off, still represents a significant increase in the approval among black Americans for the job that President Trump is doing. When you consider that in 2016, in November of 2016, when you consider that President Trump won the 8% of the black male vote and just 4% of the black female vote, and now his approval rating stands at 36%. That's incredible, buddy. And also, you know what? It's double what it was a year ago. Explain that. Yeah, first, okay, well, I will. Yeah, first of all, it is completely untrue. There's not a bit of truth to it. And, and you know, I, I happen to disagree with you on polls. Polls are generally very close to being correct except Rasmussen. Everybody knows that Rasmussen is a fake Republican poll, <laughs> so I don't even know why we're even talking about it. How do you come up with this idea that Rasmussen is you. a fake Republican poll? I, I will tell you. First of all, look at, look at uh, any other ones, Gallup. Look at... Um, um, the Ipsos poll, everybody looks at that. Quinnipiac, everybody looks at it. They all say the same thing. They all agree it's like 39% to 56%. And then comes Rasmussen and says this other crazy stuff. Wait till November. In November, we, we, you and I will have a, 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 an opportunity to say who was right and who was wrong. And I'm telling you that, that all these other polls... Gallup has been around for 60 years. 
Rasmussen is a fake poll. It is not correct. And let me tell you this. Let's talk about black people. You want to do that? Sure, Mark And Let's talk about black okay. people. Look, I, I know what black people think. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. I know what Jewish people Mark think. Kaysen, I know the, what the, black the, people think. The black people whisperer. Mark Kaysen, everybody. No, I, but, but what I don't know, I don't know what all other groups think. But all I know what black people think. And I'll tell you this. I'm up at a school right now where, you know, I've gone through the school, and, and, and I'll tell you something. Like the, the, the people here at school, mostly black, love you, okay? They do. We, we, when I got up here and I walked in, immediately, I mean, everybody started, you know, the, you know, Jamie and Mark stuff. And let me say this. That's because, you know, what, I can you. disagree with you on a lot of things, but one thing is true, uh, that we respect that, that, that all black people want is the same thing that white people want, and that is respect, respect and, and, and also uh, a, a viewpoint that they're, they're different. They're, they're no different, and their needs are no different than white people. Yeah, but they don't believe that white people are honest or that they mean them well. They don't believe that. I can tell you. They don't believe it. Well, I think a so, lot. I think and, I think and, some. And, and, I think some people. Some of them do. I mean, I think there are white people who don't trust black people. Well, so, of I mean, course, just, some. You know. Of course, some. Yeah, but I'm telling you this. All the. It's so funny. All these black people. They all say to me. They say, "Does Jamie really believe that stuff?" What? They love you. Any. They love you anyway. Believe what stuff? But, you mean about like about the all economy? All this crazy Trump stuff. <laughs> all this crazy okay. Trump stuff. You, you, listen, you, you you are you have to get beyond. You have to get first of all. You have to be, get beyond this Trump hate stuff. This Russia thing isn't going to happen. You know what are you going to do when Manafort? I don't, if, I don't hate him. What are you going to do if Manafort's acquitted today? Your he ho- won't be. Your dreams are going to just die right he, in front of your eyes. He won't be. And by the way, what, what now? What will happen? is that Donald will probably pardon him. And that is going to cause such a constitutional crisis in itself that it's unbelievable. Well, but Don't worry, it's I, all coming. I don't know whether or not he's going to pardon him. I, I think that there's, there's some, there is some weight to the argument that Manafort was basically, if he's convicted, will have been convicted on charges that rarely, if ever, are brought uh, by prosecutors, and in fact, this is something that really, generally, is not ever really prosecuted. So, uh, if if there's a feeling that somehow Manafort was only targeted because he happened to be associated with the Trump campaign, and only targeted because they wanted to get some dirt on President Trump, then yeah, maybe there will be a chance he'd be pardoned. I think it's incredible. All the U.S. attorneys that I've heard, and I've heard a bunch, all say the opposite. Of what you're th- of what you're talking about right now, I, it, it, it just shows the, the the divide that exists in the country. But I want to say this: I don't hate Donald Trump. I don't hate him. I feel sorry for him, and I definitely want us to go visit him in jail. But I'll tell you this: I I, I don't hate him. I really don't. He's ill. Well, I mean, okay, you keep on saying that, but but the fact of the matter is, yet another. Uh, wet dream of the left regarding this N-word thing, that too is going by the wayside. That that has not been proven in any way, shape, or form. There aren't any tapes out there. And and and, and also all you have right now 
sorry to say, is just a level of denial uh, that that the that that of the Rasmussen poll and beyond that you're just gonna you just won't you won't own up to the fact that these numbers are speaking loudly and for themselves. And Rasmussen is not a generally a Republican poll. Even even in the run up to the 2016 election, they generally were not always favorable to. President Trump. So I don't know what you're talking. You, you're just all you ha- have right now, Mark. Unfortunately, in all due respect, is just the denial of what's in front of you, whether it be the economy or black poll numbers or the lack of the N-word tape or no Russia collusion. You just have yeah. to kind of invent your own black, deal. First of all, black black people. We're going to see in the election. It's going to be the same thing. Ninety percent will vote Democrat. Not 36% for Republicans. 90% will vote Democrat. That's, that's going to be the number. Now, you watch. Maybe it'll be 94%. Okay? It'll be 90% absolutely guaranteed. You wait, I mean, in November, we're going to see the answer. You say there's no collusion. Hey, I'm not worried about collusion. Talk about obstruction. Okay? Call it what you want. Call it conspiracy. The bottom line is... Mueller is moving forward absolutely with incredible momentum. Now, we'll see what the result is. I mean, assuming that, 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 that there's nothing happening, is, it doesn't make any sense because these kinds of, of prosecutions take years. There's no question about it. But you're about to see the Manafort re, uh, results, and it's going to be extremely significant. All right, here's yeah, the deal. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, th- and Mama K, yes, I got your, I got your message. Uh, for, and so, yes, I'm going to be getting you on with the paranormal show. I just want, I need to make sure I, I address her real quickly. All right, so real quickly, because I'm, gonna, I'm going to get to Genevieve Wood here in a second. So, yeah, I, what are you guys going to do about the presidential election of 2020 we we know already 2018 is going to be in my opinion the midterms are going to be a real problem for you guys i know you don't believe that but i i i do and, and we'll see and obviously but yeah two and, and mean, a half months it's getting close in the meantime you, you guys have here in 2014 you guys kind of have a problem and that is the emergence of two socialists bernie sanders and your New hero Ocasio Cortez, that they're having a huge influence on your uh, on on de- the Democratic Party right now, and individuals like Elizabeth Warren are kind of sitting there going, um, "Not quite sure you all moving to the left is a great idea." Listen to her with Seth Meyers here just for a second. I want to get and your opinion. It about seems it. very long ago. You sure. were considered at the time the far left end of the Democratic Party. There has been a progressive wave, it seems, post the 2016 election. Are you uh-huh. surprised it took this long, or are you uh, relieved that it's finally happening? Do you take, it, I mean, solace is a weird word, but have you, do you find it notable that right now as we come towards the midterms, it seems as though the Republican Party is not actually running on this tax bill they passed, which no is kidding. the signature achievement of the first half of, of Donald Trump's term in office? No. Seth Meyers is obviously softballing Elizabeth Warren. But keep in mind, uh, Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders make Elizabeth Warren look like Ronald Reagan. Uh, Because she's now 
the more conservative Democrat. You buy that or not? Nah. Uh-uh. First of all, Ocasio-Cortez is not as radical as you all make her out to be. There's a word in there, socialist, and all it's about is Medicare. Medicare. What are you talking about? Medicare for everybody. We've had Medicare for 50 years. That's not communism. Okay? So forget, you can forget that. This is a very sensible progression on the left. A lot of people are admitting what they've been for all the time. We've talked about free college for everybody. It's been, it's one of the most successful programs in the history of the United States is bringing all those troops back from World War II and sending them to college. It created enormous prosperity. I just don't get what you're afraid of. Well, we, we don't have to create enormous prosperity. The tax cuts have already done that. Our, uh, the tax receipts are historic. That's be they're, they're flying into the coffers of the Treasury, which is disturbing on the one hand, but also uh, certainly welcome on the other hand, because that is a direct result of more money in the pockets of individuals, higher incomes, and people are paying more taxes, not less taxes, as a result of the tax cuts. I know that sounds odd in terms of math, but uh, our GDP is at 4.1%, and the U.S. government is collecting taxes like it hasn't since uh, the Ronald Reagan tax cuts and the JFK tax cuts. I'd love to show you the actual chart of receipts from the Federal Reserve, because guess what? It's the opposite. Now you can say the Federal Reserve is faking it. But the tax receipts have have plunged, and they've never plunged more than this, except for in recessions. I'll show it to you. Where are you getting that information? Because there was just... Federal Reserve Bank. Okay. Federal Reserve Bank. But you're, you're reading fake stuff. Okay. Enjoy your reality. I, I don't. I don't know where to get with you because all you do is just simply deny what's right in front of us. And and again, I'm going to bring you. I'm going to bring you the numbers okay. from the Federal Reserve. Okay, I I'll, will. I'll, I'll I'll check it out. By the way, I love okay. President Trump's uh, birthday greeting to Maxine Waters yesterday. Uh, he. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a picture of Nancy Pelosi with Maxine Waters, and he said, "Happy birthday to the leader of the Democrat Party, Maxine Waters." It was just hilarious. Okay, it's funny. It's also silly, and it's also not true. You know, you can talk about Deval Patrick. You can talk about Cory Booker. You can talk about Terry McAuliffe. You can talk about a whole bunch of people out here who are potential candidates for 2020 and they're going to be running against Jeff Flake or somebody like that. So I don't know what you're worried about. Uh, I'm not worried about anything, buddy. What are you talking about? I'm not worried about a damn thing, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like, it's kind of like when people say, you know, why do you have so many guns? What are you worried about? And I'm like, I'm not worried about anything. So you love guns. That's good. And by the way, I love dogs. Do you, do you have a dog? Uh, no, but because the kids are uh, allergic to to them, Andrea allergic. and the kids, they're all they, they, sure dogs cause allergies. No, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. I would I would have a dog if yeah. if 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 it didn't um, if the if the if the if Andrea wasn't allergic to to them, and if uh, a couple of the, uh, the uh, Aiden and and uh, Natalie are both allergic to uh, some of these animals and cats and things like that, so. 
Yeah. And remember, even Nixon had dogs. Nixon has, had checkers. <laughs> the famous dog, that famous speech right. of his. But, but look, but, and dogs would probably love you. I know they love me. Because, see, they, they love people who are genuine. Now, they probably bite off uh, Donald's leg. But that's another story. Yeah, I know. I know what you're getting at because uh, you're now getting at what the Washington Post and and, and MSNBC dedicated their resources to, and that is sure. uh, researching whether or not there's ever been a picture of President Trump with a dog, and whether he actually likes dogs or not. Highly accurate. Some some people Good reporting. So, well, come on. It's, I, I'll play it for people if they ha- if they missed it earlier. Some people. <laughs> Some people are just not animal people. And also, you know what? If you're a busy person like President Trump, you, you don't have a dog because you're actually nicer to dogs by not just simply leaving them in the house all day while you're at work. It's, it's actually a more humane thing for a busy person not to have a dog as opposed to just have a dog just so they can pet something when they're home for an hour in the evening time. Even but, Nixon had a dog. Even Nixon. Come on. Right. I know. But this, that's a ridiculous argument. And by the way, uh, okay. there, there are people who will say, yeah, but what about hypoallergenic dogs? And it's like, no, nah, there's no – ask somebody who's allergic to animals and uh, I agree. they that's will tell the you there's, there's no yeah. such thing as a hypoallergenic that's animal. That's true. I mean, well, I I believe there is, but you got to talk to a person who's actually there allergic. Are limits allergic to these right. things and 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 they will they will not buy it for a second so just saying we agree on that much yeah i had a dog my one of my favorite dogs was a uh schnauzer we had a schnauzer named fritz uh we had a german shepherd when i was born but the german shepherd kept biting me and other things so they we got rid of that <laughs> then i had then okay. we had a fritz which was a he was a schnauzer a miniature schnauzer and then I got a dog uh, of my own named Barney, who was a schnauzer. Uh, but we didn't clip his ears. So I had a schnauzer that had, didn't have his ears clipped. You know how they used to trim their ears? And Absolutely. Make them Great dogs. But I, but I had a schnauzer. And, and, uh, and, of course, my only problem with dog and we had a, a golden Labrador. The little problem is we, just, we had the dogs, but we didn't take the time to actually train them. So it kind of became a, an issue. Kind of became, you know, you, you got if you're gonna have a dog, you got to train the thing, otherwise, it's chaos. So, all right, buddy. Well, as hey, always, you have a, a terrific day in your reality. <laughs> you too, brother. <laughs> okay, I have fun. Say hi to everybody at the school for me, will you please? Thank you. Yeah. Mark Kaysen. Yeah, that's that thing where the MSNBC and the Washington Post devoted so much time to investigating President Trump's dog history. Just unbelievable. What the Washington Post and MSNBC both dedicating resources to that. We've got Genevieve Wood coming in with us in just a second. We have the NBC pressing the CEO of Twitter, who is also a uh, 
a St. Louisan or original St. Louisan. They want Twitter to to do to Donald Trump what they're doing to Alex Jones and everything else. So we've got that for us. And of course, NBC seemingly are man, they're they're really uh, on a tear. Whether it be MSNBC angering at President Trump because they can't find a picture of him except for one with a dog and for hating dogs, apparently. But boy, are they angry about John Brennan getting his security clearance stripped because John Brennan is their reliable little spook analyst there who was convenient to them because he had all these secrets he could divulge in his traitorous way on the air with NBC and now they're not happy and I'm going to talk to Genevieve Wood here in just one second here because the only thing more disturbing about John Brennan having security clearance is the list of all the other people that still have security clearances and who are no longer who are no longer employed by the federal government. Very disturbing. And if I'm President Trump, I'm going out there and I'm stripping all these people of their security clearance. Susan Rice? Why does she still have a security clearance? I mean, all, all these people, and, and you know what? If, if Condi Rice has security clearance, I want that stripped too. I don't want anybody who's not in the employ of the U.S. government stripped of security clearances. Don't stop with Brandon, buddy. Why is it doing that? Hold on a second here. It's always, there's always something new. Always something new with this darn thing. Okay, 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 okay. I get you. Here, you just call her again. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I dialed the wrong number. That's why. Thank you. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Sorry, people. This is not the greatest of radio, but I, I, I dialed the wrong number. You know why? Because I can't see. That's why. And I need to get some readers or something needs to budge with the size of the letters and numbers in my life. They need to get bigger. Or I need to wear my readers. Which I can't find anywhere. One ringy dingy. Hello, it's Genevieve. Hello, Genevieve Wood. How are you? It's Jamie Allman here in St. Louis. Good. Happy Thursday morning. And happy Thursday morning to you, too. And we appreciate you being with us, as always. And, you know, it's interesting because I talked to Corrine there at Heritage. And, and um, we're, we usually, you know, back in the day, we kind of had you on on a regular time slot every week. But your schedule shifts so much. I just want to let people know that we're going to grab Genevieve when we can. And uh, sometimes we're not going to have her when we want her. And sometimes we're going to be able to get her, you know, whatever. So your schedule's 
crazy, I know. So I want to let you know how much I appreciate the fact that you take the time to, to hang with on, us on Radio Free Almond. So thank you for all of that. I wanted to ask. Well, Jamie, thank you, and I love being on with you guys. So thank you. Well, yeah, we appreciate it very, very much, and and the audience does too. And it's uh, grown by the day, so I appreciate that as well. All right, so we can do the national politics trend that we're seeing uh, as as we head into the midterms. But I wanted to ask you briefly about the security clearance issue because one of the things that really surprised me about the Brennan being stripped of his security clearance story is how many other people have security clearances when they're not even in the employ of the federal government or the administration. And, and that was really surprising to me. I didn't even know Brennan had security clearance. What is the reasoning behind these individuals having security clearances when they're not even in the government anymore? Well, it's a very good question, Jamie. And I think it's one reason you see people, not besides just John Brennan, but others who have at his level and or who have clearances making a stink about this is because they realize now the public is, is aware, like, wait a minute, you mean when people like retire or leave or get fired that they, they get to walk away with a security clearance? I mean, that is, I mean, who, who has it? What other kind of job allows you to walk away with like secrets on the company yeah. or continue to get company secrets if you've been fired from that company? It's ridiculous. Uh, but most people don't don't know that. I mean, the one reason some people do is because let's say you're, you know, I don't want to be age discriminatory here, but let's say you're 45 years old and you leave a job where you had security clearance and you may be going within the next year or two to another job that requires security clearance. If you're a government employee who, you know, your background is State Department or Hill or White House or agent, you know, where, where those kinds of things would be would be needed. It doesn't necessarily make sense to strip it every single time and then the person has to reply because it costs a lot of money to give somebody security clearance. I don't know if you've ever known someone who's had one, but I've had several uh, colleagues at work or, or, or friends in the area who end up in these kind of jobs. And the government goes out and interviews like I don't know how many people, 50 people from their you know, past lives to make sure that they're going to be you know, that they are solid citizens and they aren't giving secrets away to, to foreign powers. And it costs a lot of money to do that. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. We absolutely should. But I understand why we don't just take them away every time somebody walks out of one job when they may be going into another. But if somebody has retired or somebody has been fired, to me, that that's kind of a no-brainer <laughs> yeah. that those go. Right. Yes. I mean, I, I, to me, there, there, there are different levels of things here. Well, or even if they're in a situation where, you know, let's say that Brennan, for some reason, fit that one little example of maybe someone who would have to get it again and work someplace else. But the minute they they parachute into a television studio uh, where they are analysts and talking to reporters, I think that would be a disqualifier right off the bat. Also, good point. Anybody who continues to have access to that information and then in some ways uses it to either speak out for or against, you know, certain candidates, administration, policies and, and action taken in Congress, because it's suggesting if you have a security clearance that you know things the rest of us don't know. And so if you're saying, that's bad what Congress just did, or that's good what the administration just did. It's suggesting that you have information the rest of us don't have that's telling you that's either a good or a bad action. And so therefore, 
you have undue or you would have undue influence, right? And so I think that's wrong. If you have a security clearance, you do know things the rest of us don't know, or you at least have access to the information, and you shouldn't be sharing it. That's why it's a security, you know, it's why it's secret. You're not out there to share it unless you're using it for your specific role for which you've been granted that special clearance. And I don't think being a commentator on MSNBC uh, is one of those roles. And can we rid once and for all the notion that somehow this is a First Amendment issue? I don't know. I don't even know where that comes from, that, <laughs> that claim. Because they're because they're crazy. <laughs> Another reason they shouldn't have a security clearance. Nobody's saying you can't speak. Nobody's yeah. saying you. I, I don't have a security clearance. I get I get to go on radio shows and TV shows and talk to people. I mean, nobody's saying you can't speak. What we're saying is, Mr. Brennan, you don't. Number one, you don't get to lie to Congress, which he did in his testimony, and we, the American people, you don't get to do that as a former CIA director and walk around with security clearance. And you don't get to go on MSNBC and just spell off your opinions when you're holding on to something that, again, suggests you may know more than the rest of us. And I think he tries to kind of use that in his, in his interviews of like, oh, you should really listen to what I'm saying because I know these things. Yeah. Well, not so much. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's not required for his job. And, and you know where we first heard that this was a First Amendment violation is when – Brennan went on TV to express himself about how this was an infringement <laughs> on his First Amendment rights. So it's like, okay, crazy. All right, so uh, onward to, to national politics. And, and one of the really interesting trends we saw was the networks all suddenly deciding that they weren't interested in this uh, Kobach story there in Kansas because before the election – they acted like this was the election of the century and there was so much at stake. And then suddenly you see that Kobach is now definitely the, the winner and, and he's a Trump supporter and he won the primary last week. And they basically just ignored that news and instead focused on other, I guess they called historic Democrat wins in Vermont with the transgender candidate and the Muslim woman for Congress in Minnesota and that's interesting. Now, I know I know why they ignored the Kobach story. I get it. But uh, this other trend they're claiming is a bellwether, is kind of a, a canary in the coal mine, so to speak, uh, when it comes to the fortunes of Democrats in the future. How do you see these developments? Well, I mean, look, I, I don't. I'll be the first to tell you. I think this is going to be, you know, a very tight, a number of very tight races in November. I'm not. Uh, in any way, I think there is going to be a blue wave that occurs. Uh, but here's what, here's what I find very interesting, though, is that if you look at history, there should be a blue wave, right? There should be – Democrats should be taking these seats. What's actually historic here is that it's not clear they're actually going to do that. I mean, if, if history was really playing out, uh, they probably should have won that special election in Ohio. They, they actually act, act, you know, act like there's a victory because they came really close. Well, close doesn't quite get it. And two, again, all the, the movement should be on the Democratic side by and large. I mean, they should be taking back Congress. If they don't, that's what will be historic. So I think the fact that it's as close as it is and that President Trump can go into a either congressional district or a governor's race and make an endorsement, and in the majority of cases, the vast majority has done that, 
those candidates have won. And in, and in some cases, including the one in Kansas you just referenced, uh, Kobach was behind. I mean, I think Trump's endorsement made all the difference uh, in, in that, on, on Election Day for him. So, and I would say the same thing in Ohio. I think that candidate was behind. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see if they pull it out across the finish line on the, in November on the actual election side. But as of right now, you know, if I were on either, if I was sitting at the RNC or the DNC, I'd be nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and the truth is the, the DNC, sh- DNC should be less nervous in many respects. Now, look, I will say their turnout numbers have been good in some of these states. Um, and I don't think Republicans in any way should take anything for granted. But I think all these races are still – many of them are still winnable. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's very interesting how uh, – I remember back in the day during the presidential election and Hillary Clinton would come out with these ads that were negative or I think she thought they were negative towards President Trump. And time and time again, we'd see these ads and President Trump is this, President Trump is that. And a lot of us were thinking, wait a minute, that sounds like it's an ad for President Trump, not not against him, because we like what we're seeing in this ad. <laughs> then, then you had in the in the Kansas race, you had the uh, news people all declaring, and they and they and they couldn't, uh, they 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 had so many negative words to describe Kobach. They said he's uh, hard right, he's anti-immigration, he's controversial, he's this and this, and Kansas residents said. Okay, elect him. And so that was that. I mean, so I think, you know, you could take Vermont and Minnesota, which are traditionally kind of Minnesota is a very interesting state anyway, uh, in terms of its voting independence and beyond. But Vermont, I mean, you know, I don't know whether Republicans. Come on. I mean, (laughs) I was thinking to myself, Calvin Coolidge, not no, they're probably going to get rid of his presidential library up there because he's so out of sync with where that state is today. Yeah, it's hard to – it's actually – now that you mention it, it's hard to believe such a conservative hero like Calvin Coolidge uh, came out of Vermont. I don't know how that happened or right. how that worked, but boy, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's very interesting. All right, Genevieve, always great talking to you, and, and, and thank you so much for your input in the show. And uh, – oh, one quick question. How are things going yeah. for uh, Ted Cruz? And te- you're, you're from Texas, and I know you're paying attention to what's going on there. Uh, Cruz, pretty, pretty well put together for the November election. Yes, okay. I, I mean, I, I think Ted Cruz will be Senator Ted Cruz post November, uh, pretty much for a, I don't know how long he wants to keep doing it, but maybe until Trump puts him on the Supreme Court, I think he he would be great in the Senate. And I'm I'm not worried about the race here. Again, take nothing for granted. And it would be great to show at the end, you know, and and make, listen, in all these places, make the left spend money on races they shouldn't have to spend money on, you know, or or dump money into races they think they've got a shot. It turns out the guy got crushed, you know. Um, I mean, I I just think it's the the good strategy is have races be races everywhere. That way you can't just concentrate, the left can't just concentrate in one area. So if they think they've got a good shot in Texas, good, they'll pour money into it. Well, I got to tell you, uh, one of the one of my most uh, heart rendering and and peaceful results of the of the election of 2016 was how everything settled in the aftermath of the President Trump Senator Cruz battle, and it couldn't have worked out better in terms of peace in the land. As President Trump gets elected president, Senator Cruz becomes one of his most reliable supporters when it when it. When when he wants to be, or when, when it's when it's certainly uh, deserved, 
And so everything kind of falls back into its place. And you have a, an excellent senator like Senator Cruz and, in my opinion, an excellent president. And everything's working out fine. So I, I love that. I love the result well, it, of all it, this. It shows that, yeah, it shows that people can be adults. And I, I interviewed Senator Cruz, by the way, a couple of months ago. And I asked him about that question. I said, how often you know, do you talk to the president? And he said, a couple times, you know, a few times a week. I think they talk, you know, fairly often. Uh, and I, you know, he didn't, he didn't tell me all the things that they said, but his point was like, I mean, he does offer his advice and it does seem like there's a solid relationship there. And yeah. I think that's, I think it's a great thing. And uh, I think there's great things ahead for Senator Cruz. Yeah. He's a good guy. That's, that's for sure. Uh, Genevieve, thanks so much for chiming in. Have a great rest of your week. Hey, you too. All right. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, yeah. You know how it's, how it is when, you know, sometimes politics, Things get so nasty, and there are so many grudges and things like that uh, that that you know it, it, it gives you an unsettling uh, feeling. Uh, but in the end, it's uh, it's great, I, and I wish Ted Cruz the best. And uh, w- there were times when I was so mad at him over things during the during the 2016 election and then suddenly you know i i, I think that uh, you talk about the very definition of a, of a man uh that's ted cruz and same goes for president trump as these two uh as a team i always thought actually that that cruz would have made an excellent vice presidential candidate but in hindsight now i'm glad that he is where he is and i'm glad that the president is where uh he is too so i just want to let you know that yeah Forty-one years ago today, August sixteenth, nineteen seventy-seven, the loss of another great man, Elvis. Elvis Presley. A lot of you remember where you were when you heard the news of Elvis Presley's death. I was on summer vacation. Yes, my son Aiden, who is going to school for his first day of school today. Yes, Natalie and Lily, who went to their first day of school yesterday. Yes, back in the day when Daddy was young. This was still summer vacation. The idea of going to school... In the middle of August, it was just like, you're kidding me. No, we were far away from that. I was, in fact, in Florida on August 16th, 1977. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, I was jamming to. Remember this? It was uh, 1977, 73, 10, 77, 13. So I was Aiden's age, actually, when uh, Elvis Presley died there in 1977. And I uh, remember I, had, I, I thought I was so cool because I was out on the beach and stuff. And I had my, uh, my cassette tapes. I had my Walkman. Remember those? The Walkman? My Walkman and my... my in my uh, my headphones 
and I was jamming to the Outlaws. Right along the beach there. Came in after uh, hanging out. Yeah, Martha, when people smoked on airplanes, it's right. 1977. And I had, uh, came in, made a couple hot dogs. News broke that Elvis Presley died. There you go. That's history right there. And uh, a lot of you remember that too. 1977, back in the day. As I said earlier, you know, was there anything wrong in any way, shape, or form besides maybe his own personal addictions? That, that anything wrong with Elvis Presley at all? He was the most harmless, amazing guy in the world. Except he was harmful to himself. That was the only thing. Talked to Mark Cation earlier. Uh, and and I, 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 just when you, you, you think that the left has run out of these ridiculous kinds of arguments to make about President Trump. You turn on MSNBC and you discover that, no, they, they, haven't quite, they haven't quite run out of crazy ideas just yet. As you know, Omarosa was described by President Trump as a dog, right? And that made everybody crazy. And you had the 10-member CNN panels all saying that President Trump was using the language of the KKK because, you know, they used, you know, mongrel to describe so that in the dog and blah, blah, blah. And that tied into the fake story about the N-word. And there is no N-word on any tape anywhere. In fact, Politico had a story yesterday where they said, uh, in fact, there's nothing on any tape that is even remotely incriminating of President Trump or his family. Nowhere. It doesn't matter whether it's Cohen. Remember, whatever happened to Cohen's uh, tape claims? Whatever happened to those tapes? Where'd that story go? Remember when Cohen, I've got tapes. I recorded the president. This is what, and and, and there's nothing there. And and then you have the uh, Omarosa tapes. Where, where where are those? I mean, where was what's if, if the are you kidding me? If if there was if the president was on tape saying the n word, you're telling me we would not have heard that tape yet. You're you're telling me that we we would not have heard the n word out of the president's mouth yet? You kidding me? The the way these uh, individuals are setting up every day like a bunch of Zulus just waiting to attack. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. There's nothing there. And today, man, I hope Manafort gets acquitted today. I mean, I don't know whether he's guilty or not, but, but something in me just wants Manafort to be acquitted so I could just see the ashen-faced never-Trumpers and the crazy Trump people just collapse in a heap. I, I normally don't really desire pain on people. I really don't want to uh, to have people emotionally unsettled and upset. But sometimes it's fun. And it was fun on November 9th, 2016. And 
it's fun now watching these people search tirelessly for the N-word someplace on a tape that's not there, for Russia collusion that isn't there. Yeah, but black people can't stand him. Oh, really? Rasmussen poll showing black approval of President Trump at 36%, double what it was a year ago, and six times what it was when black men, for instance, voted for in the in the 2016 election, he only got eight percent of the black male vote, four percent of the black female vote, and now he's at thirty six percent among blacks in America who are seeing the results. So that's upsetting to them. Then they're like, "Yeah, but let's see what else do we have?" And then so if Manafort's acquitted today, it'll just simply just draw every ounce of air out of their balloon if there if there is such a thing because i don't the balloon thing is is it, it the, the balloon they have right now is made of lead and it's rapidly falling from the sky and so they're like okay let's well, all that said oh, amorosa's not working out black numbers aren't working out there's no collusion and uh Maybe maybe we can find out whether or not President Trump doesn't like dogs. Now that, now that he's brought dogs up because he compared Amorosa, he said she's a dog. Sheriff Clark called her a rat bastard <laughs> on Breitbart. Did you hear that? That's pretty good. What are they going to do to him now? Are they going to go uh, find out whether or not Sheriff Clark actually, you know, come to think of it, you know, we've never seen him with a rat. Never see he's always disliked rats. In fact, I don't think he even liked the Michael Jackson song from Willard. Remember that? Ben, the two of us. I need to find that. So anyway, you're thinking, okay, so I know what we'll do. We're going to devote our resources to finding out now that he now that President Trump has brought up the dog thing. You know, come to think of it, I think we think President Trump actually doesn't like dogs. In fact, is there any evidence that President Trump has even has even associated with dogs before? And is and is that why is that why he is calling Amoroso a dog? Because actually, the president secretly hates dogs. Brian Williams, the next Edward R. Murrow, decided to tackle this subject along with somebody from the Washington Post. Yeah. Does this president really physically not like dogs? I'm not kidding you that Brian Williams is honestly, actually asking that question. Like there's not a... And he, he's, ser- he's dead serious about this. This isn't, this isn't a parody. This isn't a Saturday Night Live skit. This isn't Brian Williams with another one of his appearances on Stephen Colbert. This is Brian Williams asking a question of a Washington Post reporter, people. Okay? Okay. Does this president really physically not like dogs? Uh, That's right, Brian. He's actually the first president in more than 100 years who's not had a dog. Yes. And I know early this morning I kind of 
played this, but it's worth playing again. The first president in history or modern history who has not had a dog, that's their thing now. Yeah, you know, he brought up a dog, called him almost a dog, and now that's their deal. Because what else do you have? As a pet in the White House, he has lived with a dog before when he first got married to his first wife, Ivana. Uh, she brought with her a poodle. Uh, he resisted the dog. He didn't want to have anything to do with the poodle, but she's. This is, I'm telling you, this is a reporter with the Washington Post. Like you'd think that, okay, well, MSNBC, yeah, they're typically ridiculous or MSNBC, but this is a reporter from the Washington Post who is regaling us with these. Trump anti-dog stories. The poodle's coming along. Chappie's coming along. Turns out Chappie didn't like Trump very much because whenever Trump would come near Ivana's closet, Chappie would bark at him. Chappie the poodle didn't like President Trump, apparently. Chappie the Ivana poodle didn't like President Trump and would bark at him when President Trump approached Ivana's closet. Because whenever Trump would come near Ivana's closet, Chappie would bark at him territorially. It's a reporter from the Washington Post, my friends. Ivana writes about this in her memoir that came out a few months ago. (laughs) Uh, And apparently Ivana, by the way, she likes President Trump. I think she was interviewed a while back and, and she actually likes him. I think she voted for him. And I don't know what I don't know why in the memoir she's talking about Chappie the poodle barking at him when he gets near her closet, but I don't know. But bark at him territorially. Ivana writes about this in her memoir that came out a few months ago. We launched an extensive. By the way, why did Chappie the poodle think that Ivana's closet was its territory? Why would that be? Well, because Chappie is a poodle, and poodles are dumb as a bag of hair, apparently. Uh oh. At this in her memoir. That don't get mad at me. I don't want to start. I don't want to start naming names about dog types because the minute you say poodles are stupid, I'm going to get the. I'm going to get somebody here who's had poodles their entire life, and actually, poodles are the smartest animals on the planet. And then I'll I'll see. They'll send me the. Uh, some story about about how there was research done and it shows poodles actually are, in fact, the smartest on the planet. So I'm a horrible person for saying poodles are stupid. But it's been my understanding that poodles aren't very smart, which might be why uh, the poodle became territorial when President Trump approached Ivana's closet because the poodle was just that dumb enough to believe that the closet was its territory. Okay, now, it was only 34 seconds, so I'll start from the beginning, and we'll go back, okay? I'll start from the beginning. This is really Brian Williams, and this is Willie, really a reporter from the Washington Post, really talking about President Trump and his relationship with dogs. Really, physically not like dogs? 
Uh, that's right, Brian. He's actually the first president in more than 100 years who's not had a dog uh, as a pet in the White House. He has lived with a dog before when he first got married to his first wife, Ivana. Uh, she brought with her a poodle. Uh, he resisted the dog. He didn't want to have anything to do with the poodle, but she said, the poodle's coming along. Chappie's coming along. Turns out Chappie didn't like Trump very much because whenever Trump would come near Ivana's closet, Chappie would bark at him territorially. What what did he do then though? Because 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 if if you're barking at me territorially, I'm kicking you over to the other side of the bedroom because 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 uh, you're thinking that's your territory and it's a closet. No, I'm not kicking a dog. I'd never kick a dog. You kidding me? Some of my best friends are dogs. But the but the investigation does not stop there because Brian Williams, not to be outdone by the research done by the Washington Post reporter, Brian Williams obviously has to one-up the Washington Post reporter because, because as you can tell by this whole exchange, you know Brian Williams must be jealous at all of the, the cacophony of information that this Washington Post reporter has on President Trump's relationship with the dog world. So Brian Williams... You know, ha- he, you know, he's the anchor guy, and the Washington Post guy is the reporter guy. And so Brian Williams has to kind of say, hey, yeah, but, well, listen to this, though. I know you guys in the Washington Post researched all this and went back in Ivana's book and everything else about his dog. But, but watch this. I'm Brian Williams, after all. Ivana writes about this in her memoir that came out a few months ago. We launched an extensive web search that took us at least a few minutes, and we could only find one photo extant in all the land of Donald Trump yeah. with a dog. Yeah. yeah, take that, Washington Post reporter. Because while your newsroom was obsessed with President Trump's relationship with dogs and researched his relationship with dogs and discovered that he was the first president in modern history not to have a dog... We went back into the archives and did an internet search to find out, indeed, whether or not there has been any picture ever of President Trump with a dog. And we only found one. So I know you guys are spending your time in pursuit of that Pulitzer Prize for dog reporting, but... We did an internet search looking for looking for a dog picture. So take that, you dirty rat. Aw, my son Ethan's on uh, on Facebook Live. What's up, buddy? My hero, Ethan James Allman. Love you, Dad. Thanks, buddy. I love you too, man. You're uh, you're an amazing boy. My oldest son, Ethan, uh, Iraq War veteran. Good man, working there in Chicago. Got to come and see you soon, brother. Love you very much. Yep, that is Ethan. I always, I, it's always nice to see. Uh, I, Katie comes on here sometimes, but uh, Ethan comes on here every once in a while. And buddy, listen, uh, Ethan and I, Ethan just got back from Red Rocks and was uh, seeing some music there and uh, is just, uh, boy, just a, a great kid. And I'm so proud of him, so proud of what he's accomplished. Uh, so proud of what he's doing there in Chicago, so proud of his uh, military service, and just really proud to be his his father, really proud to be his dad. Ethan, love you, buddy.
and thanks for uh for your support and being with me and we uh it's it and and so he's been kind of my uh my guy throughout all this whole thing too so i i appreciate you very much buddy and uh what you've done and i hope this is entertaining to you your dad regaling people with tales of donald trump and his lack of love for the american dog boy imagine if it's a if a, imagine I, i'm surprised they haven't pursued his relationship with chihuahuas like a mexican dog Can you imagine can you imagine if there's anything – because, you know, what they were hoping for is some evidence somehow that he was mean to a Mexican dog, like a chi- chihuahua. That would have been perfect. Or a dog that might be uh, black or something of that nature. That, that they, they're, they're looking for that. But no, this report doesn't end here, people. This report does not end because then the Washington Post reporter comes back and says, yeah – serious what he does uh, with that word, uh, using it as an attack. He's dehumanizing his enemies. That's the goal there. Uh, and there's a long history, actually, of authoritarian leaders uh, who've used these animalistic slurs uh, as insults to dehumanize individuals or groups of people. Uh, we remember in, during the Holocaust, uh, the Nazis would call Jews uh, rats. Ah. <laughs> uh. I don't like that guy because he just made me, if you take it out of context, me laugh at a reference to the Holocaust. But I'm really not laughing at a reference to the Holocaust. I'm laughing at the fact that these individuals just spent one minute and 14 seconds and then a copious amount of time uh, in their newsrooms researching President Trump and dogs and his relationship with dogs. And what they tried to say is that it's no wonder here. I'm I'm trying to let me track their thoughts here. It's no wonder President Trump called Omarosa a dog. Because he is a a dictator, just like Hitler, although I think Hitler had a dog anyway, a dictator, just like Hitler. And he doesn't like dogs anyway. And in fact, to our knowledge, according to our reports and our research, dogs don't like him either. Because Chappie the Poodle barked at him when he came near Ivana's closet. I mean, people, I mean, listen, you can't, you can't buy this kind of hilarity. You can't buy this kind of tracking of inside the mind of the American media. But that's, where they, that's what they came up with. Now, since uh, this reporter mentioned rats. Joel, I am delighted to introduce our next guest, someone that all of our listeners, I'm sure, know. Um, the former sheriff of Milwaukee County, Wisconsin. I'm talking about Sheriff David Clark. Sheriff- so he's on the Breitbart show and uh, with uh, Jason Pollock, and this is uh, Sheriff David Clark. Now, Sheriff Clark... You're thinking, Welcome to well, the program this evening. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's going to be um, there's more lots of debate about, uh, you know, what is out there, whether there is or more generous to Omarosa. But yeah, it's it's been interesting. Uh, it really has my experience here with the president himself. You know, I worked on the campaign, got to know him very well. And then after he was sworn in, uh, he still kept in touch with me. I kept in touch with him. So I kind of know him, and he doesn't have a racist bone in his body. We all know this is political, but speaking to uh, Omarosa, I know her well. I know her personally, met her on the campaign, talked to her a lot, met her after the inauguration. 
when she was in the White House. So I got to know both of these people. And, you know, I heard the other day that, uh, you know, that she was coming out with this book and, and some of the accusations she made. I thought, you know, I don't know if I could say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I thought, what a rat bastard, because the president has been nothing but. <laughs> he called her a rat bastard. <laughs> so we had the rat element covered and the dog element covered. Scott, is it true that Chappie was black? There's no way. Are you are you just joking with me or are you really telling me that uh that that Chappie was in fact uh, black? I'm surprised he didn't mention that. And the media continues to fantasize about this Amorosa deal being a uh uh the the ultimate leading to the ultimate collapse of President Trump as his administration and his administration, but uh, not to be. Listen to this. And there are folks out there who would say, uh, why are we listening to, to Omarosa? Or who would say, listen, uh, Donald Trump is, is just a, an employer scorned. But you have to consider where Omarosa came from. Donald Trump in many ways created Omarosa on The Apprentice, that whole persona she has as the villain. Omarosa and Donald Trump, they're kindred spirits. There's something about her that he marveled at, her ability to create drama, the way she made things about her, uh, and, and, and just the, her, the way she bullied people. You know, it's like watching Darth Vader kill the Emperor <laughs> in the, the third Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it's like, it is like it's, it's watching the emperor killed, huh? Uh, by the time I'm with you next week, the word Amorosa will have not been mentioned by, for four days. By the time the weekend, we get through the weekend, the story will be dead. And it will be nothing like this tale we've just been told about the Star Wars and the death of the Emperor and the blah, 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 blah. Amorosa is going to go into the trash heap of history like everybody else who made their run at President Trump. And we're just going to continue to see news like we're getting this morning from Rasmussen showing that black approval ratings for President Trump are now at 36% double what it was in the very beginning of the uh, 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 of, of uh, a year ago. Double. And then four times what it was if you look at the numbers from the actual election. By the way, I mentioned Mexico earlier. Have you seen the news coming out of Mexico regarding their elected officials? That the... the, the, the Latest news is that a congresswoman there has been kidnapped. And, of course, Mexico, I don't know, has the president described Mexico as a, as a you-know-what hole? Because it is. And, you know, I, I feel bad for the good Mexican people because the individuals out there who are trying to do well, raise their families and everybody else, everything else are being turned on by criminals, the drug cartels, and sometimes even their own politicians. So this Mexican congresswoman uh, kidnapped at gunpoint a month and a half after she was elected. Her name is uh, Norma Zamora. She was elected on July one as part of the center-left party of the Democratic Revolution to represent Veracruz there in Mexico. Driving along a highway, two men shot at her vehicle, 
pulled her from the vehicle and forced her to leave with the with the gunman. And she was actually voted to – she ran. And, and these people who run as politicians in Mexico are brave people. I mean I, I don't even know why they do it because it's so dangerous. And I'll, I'll tell you how dangerous it is here in a second. This kidnapping of her – and she was going to take office on the 1st of September and now she's uh, been kidnapped – this kidnapping of her uh, is along the same highway there where the mayor of one of the towns there was kidnapped too in July, the month she was elected, but the mayor there. And she was later found shot to death earlier this month. I mean, he was the mayor. And, and I, I hope to God that, that, that she doesn't wind up with the same fate. So this recent election in Mexico was the largest ever in modern history, in, in Mexicans, Mexico's modern history, and was also the nation's bloodiest. We talk about human rights violations all over the globe, but we never talk about the human rights violations we're seeing every day in Mexico. Listen to this. Since September of 2017, 120 politicians and political candidates have been murdered. 120 politicians and political candidates have been murdered since September of 2017. More than 35,000 people in Mexico have gone missing. And 200,000 have been murdered since 2006. Last year, uh, 29,168 people were murdered. It's the highest level since the government started keeping records there in 1997. And we've had Americans killed down there. They... uh, A couple was just killed down there when they were at their beach townhome in Mexico in an attempted robbery. And uh, in January, the State Department basically said, uh, if we were you, we wouldn't really travel to large parts of Mexico. And the the consulate in uh, Playa del Carmen, where some people go, it's right out about an hour from Cancun, was had to be shut down because a tourist ferry exploded. 24 people injured there. More Americans were murdered in Mexico than in all other foreign countries put together in 2016. So that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. And so you hope that this doesn't really turn into anything, uh, you know, more significant, but we, we've, we've, the, the U S has at some point, uh, ultimately going to have to call a spade a spade here and talk about what's going on in Mexico. Because every time I turn around, uh, we, I mean, I'm hearing from these former Mexican presidents and, and the, Mex- the president of Mexico uh, getting in the face of America and wagging their finger at us. And I'm like, you guys have some problems of your own, it sounds like. You have some problems of your own.
By the way, I really like this story here uh, where uh, you guys know that we have no love for some of these white supremacist guys out there, right? And, uh, you know, Antifa, they're, they're a group all their own. The left, uh, they're kind of, uh, they're really jackasses and violent, anti-American, uh, anti-democratic individuals who are beating up Trump supporters and everything else. But then you have these guys who the the guys who organize the Unite the Right march. Sometimes these guys aren't so aren't so great either. And this guy named Jason Kessler, he was doing a live stream. This is back on June twenty eighth with another white supremacist named Patrick Little. So this is the weirdest damn thing. So so. The, the the Patrick Little guy, who's the white supremacist, is doing a live stream from his boat. Okay, he lives on a boat. This is the guy who did the Unite the Right rally. Lives on his boat, and he's interviewing this dude named Jason Kessler, who is another person who's kind of prides himself on being a, a Nazi sympathizer and all this kind of stuff. And so he. Uh, He's interviewing him, and, and, and check out what happens here. Check, l- listen to this, what's going on here. Big Orthodox crosses on their chest, as Dr. Duke likes to point out, is Jewish. The breaking houses are in Israel. Hey, you get out of my room. <laughs> hey, sorry, I'm having an issue here. Okay. So, so Jason Kessler is sitting there, and he's on, he's on the other side of this live stream, and somebody comes in and starts yelling at him. And says, you know, get out of my room. Get out of here. You got a drunk roommate there? Something like that. This guy, Patrick Little, this Nazi dude, asked his other Nazi friend, Jason, he goes, you guys have like some kind of, is, is that a, like a drunk roommate or something? Is that a, uh, who is that? like that in my room? Uh, I've got a. Uh somebody who supports orthodox uh israeli like is we're we're at a crosshairs on that stuff so 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 he's trying to explain without actually explaining who this person is who's yelling at him because he knows that ultimately when he does explain it the truth about where he is will be then divulged so we got a guy a white supremacist nazi dude unite the right rally guy who is uh, broadcasting a live stream from his boat because he doesn't have any other place to live, interviewing another Nazi dude who is currently being yelled at in the place where he is. Clean your room. I'm going to assume that's apparent there. I'm not sure. Uh Jason, why are you staying with? Are you not staying with an Orthodox Jew, are you? No, it's my father. He what? Basically, the deal is. <laughs> I mean, does, can it get any weirder than this? I mean, so, just in case you don't know who some of these guys are who do the Unite the Right rallies and the white supremacist guys, because they're out there. I mean, they're they're out there, and they're not much of a threat, by the way. I mean, you would think that these guys are. Uh, 
you know, they're the undoing of the United States of America. But you got one guy drinking a beer in a boat where he lives, doing a live stream with another guy who is living with his dad, basically doing broadcasting from his basement and then getting yelled at by his dad to get out of his house. <laughs> it's, un- it's unbelievable. These are the people that supposedly are, go- are the undoing of America and the, uh, the, the true base of Trump support in this country, the true threat to, to our democracy, so to speak. Some dude living on a boat and another dude living with his dad. That's the sum total of your, of your, of your Unite the Right movement. Yeah. All right, on to the uh, Brennan issue that we talked about earlier. And the biggest news coming out of yesterday and the stripping of the security clearance for John Brennan was the fact that so many other people have the security clearances, including uh, Susan Rice, including Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page still has security clearances. Jim Comey still has a security clearance. All these people ought to be stripped. It shouldn't just stop with Brennan. It needs to go on. And so make sure you go ahead and I'll I'll, I'll put the link to the NBC report on this because NBC was very unhappy about the stripping of the security clearance because Brennan has been a reliable source for them. He's one of their analysts. And so NBC completely flipped out over this thing. Check it out. Good evening, everyone. It looks a lot like payback tonight for some former senior government officials. Yeah, you're damn right. It's payback. Good. We need more of that. We've spoken out against President Trump. The president yanking the security clearance for former CIA boss John Brennan today, accusing him of using his access to sow division and chaos of the White House. That's a that's an absolutely accurate charge. John Brennan has called President Trump a traitor before. John Brennan has called the commander in chief a traitor and this guy has security clearance. And tonight, several others are on notice their access to classified materials could be coming to an end, too. Our Kristen Welker explains what's behind it. We know what's behind it. Brennan is a tool. He's a traitor himself. He's a loudmouth, and he's accessing classified information and regurgitating it and using it against our president and our country. And so good for them in getting him out of there, and they ought to keep going down the list. Speaking of NBC, you saw what happened with Alex Jones. NBC, it seems to me, is, is, is the worst of the lot here. MSNBC, I just told you the whole story with, with, uh, with Brian Williams and the, uh, and, and the dog story. But NBC isn't much better. You just saw that story where they're just fuming because uh, they're, they're, they've lost a a trader who is a, posing as an analyst 
who has security clearance, which was a shock to me that he even had it, but he does, or not anymore. And then you have these NBC anchor Lester Holt, who interviewed the CEO of Twitter. Now, as you all know, that uh, Twitter has, for instance, temporarily banned Alex Jones. And as you know, that the president actually utilized Twitter when he said that dog about Omarosa. So Lester Holt interviews the uh, Jack Dorsey and decides he's going to raise the specter of perhaps maybe it's a good idea if Twitter did to Donald Trump, the president of the United States, by the way, what they did to Alex Jones. Yeah. You've taken action against him in, in this instance. What is it? Can you tell us what it is? I believe we put him in a, uh, a timeout, removing his ability to tweet for a time period. Talking about Alex Jones now. At period, just seven days. And presumably after that, Jones will be back. A timeout seems minor compared to the implications of someone suggesting a call to arms against a particular group, in this case, the media. How do you respond to that? You know who he's talking about now, though, Lester Holt is, right? He's talking about the President of the United States. And so he's sitting there lobbying the CEO of Twitter to do the same thing to President Trump. Now, keep in mind, the news media can't stand the president's use of Twitter because the president goes around the media when he addresses the American public on Twitter. The president goes around the media and they can't stand it because the media has always been used to laundering information from presidents when they're not directly advocating for them like they did with President Obama or they did with President Clinton. They will take control of whatever information comes out of the White House and they will themselves present it to you through their lens. That's the way they like it. They don't like it when President Trump tweets because President Trump is controlling the message at that point and the media can't stand that because they want to control the message. And it's kind of like, and it's not unlike when President Roosevelt instituted the fireside chats. Remember those? If you do, you're probably 90 or 100. Anyway, but you know about the fireside chats. And when President Roosevelt introduced the fireside, and Roosevelt had an interesting, FDR had an interesting relationship with the media. Uh, he was very accessible to them, and he would hold roundtables. He was, he was not unlike President Trump in his amazing accessibility. President Trump is probably one of the most accessible presidents in the history of this country when it comes to uh, the media, maybe aside from FDR. President Trump stops on the driveway on his way to Marine One, talks to the press, talks to the press in the, in the airplane, talks to the press at, at events, which is why it's so shocking that the media flips out every day about the president somehow harming them or their ability to do their jobs or calling them the enemy or whatever, when this guy gives them more access than any president in modern history ever has. President Trump 
maybe when it comes to news conferences, he doesn't have a lot of those. But he certainly has these small little confabs with the media all the time. Answers questions all the time, which is why it's confounding to me that the media can't stand the guy. When, in fact, he, he gives them a gift every, every day. In fact, they, they, don't, they don't like him, too, because they think he tweets on the weekends. And normally, uh, they like to not have to work on the weekends. President Trump makes these people work on the weekends a lot. And I think he's doing it on purpose, which is great. But he, but, but he makes them work on the weekends. And they can't stand that because they're lazy anyway. Well... President Trump tweeted Friday night. Now I got to work all day Saturday. Yep, you do. Happy Saturday. President Trump tweeted this Saturday night. Means I got to work on Sunday. Yep, happy Sunday. Here, put this article together for Monday. You're working Sunday. Yep, you sure are. So anyway, here is Lester Holt then sitting down with Dorsey. And he decides, I bet you Lester Holt said, I want to ask you about... Uh, your policy, and I want to ask you about Alex Jones. And then, of course, as usual, reporters lie, and Lester Holt's no exception. And so he decides he's going to change the subject in the middle of this interview and start to uh, take little little chips into Trump and start to make insinuations. So, so, so you didn't want Alex Jones on. You gave him a timeout. What would you say if someone, oh, let's say, had a call to arms against the media? What would you do then? And, of course, he's insinuating that President Trump ought to be similarly treated like Alex Jones. Suggesting a call to and arms. And, by the way, Jack Dorsey, to his credit, really had a pretty darn good answer. When he was cajoled by Lester Holt uh, to, to to possibly ban even temporarily President Trump against a particular group in this case the media, how do you respond to that? Well, I feel any suspension, whether it be a permanent one or a temporary one, makes someone think about their actions and their behaviors. And you think um, Alex what Jones is going to change? And at that point, Jack Dorsey still doesn't really get it that Lester Holt's trying to put this into a Trump conversation. So he already made that one little effort there. What about people who are saying a call to arms against the media? What about what would you say to that? And he, and he and and Jack Dorsey still thinks they're talking about 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 Alex Jones or or other people when Lester is talking about Trump. Behavior based on a timeout? I don't know. I'm speaking more broadly as to why we utilize this particular tool. Um, we, we have found that it does have the potential to change impact and change behavior. So he's okay. So let's show what's going. Okay. So the timeout changes behavior. What about a certain behavior by one certain person named President Trump? Make exceptions for high-profile individuals in terms of your, your rules of service. No, we, we hold every account to the same standard, to the same rules. The President of the United States yesterday called a woman, Omarosa, that dog. Would that violate your terms of service? I so- mean, this is, this is such an example of leading the witness. And, and why, doesn't, why doesn't Lester hold 
just ask directly out of the blue, hey, shouldn't President Trump – because he, he keeps on trying to picket this thing and get Jack Dorsey to, to, to suddenly try to trap him somehow. And Dorsey actually gives a pretty good answer. So, so in Lester Holt's mind, President Trump should be timed out because he used Twitter to call Amorosa a dog. We said that dog. Do you have a clause within our terms of service around public interest and around news, newsworthiness? Uh, we believe it's important for the world to hear directly from global leaders how they think and how they treat the people around them. You don't make a distinction. So we do make exception. You don't make a distinction, however, you know, over policy, talking about taxes or tariffs. Versus- so Lester Holt's going, yeah, but that's a really good answer. But uh, what about calling somebody a dog? You, know, you, don't, you don't separate that from the policy thing? I mean, calling a person a dog. We make an understanding of who is actually saying that and whether they are a global leader, whether they are a public figure. Um, and whether this is something that should be reported on and should be talked about. So, so what you're seeing, ladies and gentlemen, is a journalist, Lester Holt. If you asked him about freedom of the press and the First Amendment, you, 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 he would probably tell you that, oh, it's, it's absolute. It, it, you know, we need absolute freedom, limiting the scope of our language and our reporting is a horrible thing. In fact, so much so that Lester Holt and the Enna Media do not like to be criticized. In fact, while they're talking about how criticism reflects an infringement on their First Amendment rights, they at the same time are trying to infringe on the rights of the President of the United States by wanting to limit the scope of his language. Doesn't that sound a little a tad hypocritical? And then you have, while at the same time, the media is bitching up a storm about how it's under attack from the president and its freedoms are under attack, you've got a guy lobbying the CEO of a social media site to limit the scope of the president's speech. And I guarantee you Lester Holt doesn't even realize this and realize what a fool he's making of himself and what a fool he's making of journalism in America in general. Because while these guys complain about how they are the last bastion of freedom when it comes to information – While these guys complain about all that and how it's horrible that they're being infringed upon, they themselves are hoping for an infringement on the communication of the President of the United States. Is that not the crazy – and and Lester Holt and anybody else out there, they have no idea, no self-awareness at all that this to most normal Americans and to you and me looks absolutely so hypocritical and so crazy and so Orwellian that they these guys can talk about how important it is for them to have their message and being able to broadcast whatever they want to do. And when President Trump criticizes them, that's a de facto limitation on their free speech. But you know, Jack Dorsey, shouldn't you ban him for saying dog? Yeah. 
That's your American news media, and they don't give a rip whether or not the way they come across is as phony and fake and hypocritical as anything we've seen in in the modern day. So that's how it's all working out, people, in the world of American journalism. Good morning this morning. I am still living with your ghost. Yeah, we're out here at the Discovery Design Studios. I don't want to be your DiscoveryDesignInc.com For all of your uh, Fleet needs Need a truck built? They'll do it Need a truck painted? They'll do it Need a conveyor because you're in the roofing business? They'll do it Need a rap, rap job. I'll do it. I also want to thank Chris Kahneman over there, Matthew King, for his support. Six three six six nine eight five one six seven. Six three six six nine eight five one six seven. He is going to be setting up an appointment for you. For you to get the cheapest. I say cheap because it's about price, not about the way it's put together. This is a 1961, since 1961, the simple mattress with bamboo in it. Most comfortable mattress you're going to find, and you're not going to get a better price than the one you're getting at Mattress King. One Mattress King on Facebook. Let's not stop there. Eric Laputi, Laputi Wellness, LaputiWellness.com. He's a good man. My doctor. Gets right to the root of the problem. Not going to band-aid it with pills or any other mud of jazz. He'll take care of it once and for all for you. Migraine headaches, PTSD, ADD, ADHD, stomach issues, back pain, you name it. He has the solution, and it's not coming through just popping a pill. I mentioned Santino cigars and cocktails earlier. Don't forget also about Matthew Mitchell of the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855 Quote. Matthew is my insurance agent, home, life, auto. Great rates for young people. Make it happen for you. Great rates in general. Five five Quilty is the phone number for the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. Don't forget, too, I'm the go-between guy for the Rick and Tracy Ellis real estate team. I will set you up with them if you need to sell your home, if you need to sell your business. You're buying a home, buying a business. Tomorrow, I'm going to regale you with a bunch of different uh, listings that I have. I can set you up with that because I'm currently working with them. Eventually, I'm going to actually get my real estate license, which is going to be kind of cool. You put I'm going to keep up radio for you all. Dabble in that a little bit. Branch out a little bit, you know? Won't take anything away from what I'm doing here. 
got time. My phone number, by the way, for you to call me so I can set you up with them and get you going. It's 314-309-0704. 314-309-0704. Call me and I will uh, set you up, hook you up. Giving you his personal service. I'm giving you personal service. I'm hooking up with them. You work directly with Rick and Tracy. They have a lot of people who work on their team. And they're all good people, but when you hook up with me, and you call me up at 309 I am the guy who. Bedroom home right now. On the new road. It's brand new. It's like $775,000, everybody. Five beds, five baths. I'll make it happen for you. Call me, I'll get it all together for you. We're really building a huge advertising yeah, well, base. By the time December rolls around, we're going to have just one of people supporting Radio Free Auto. You can help me out, letting people know how great the show is and how reach. In the stream and on Facebook, we are every bit as popular every bit the listenership that I had when I was at the radio station before. Got you covered there. Today, I'm actually meeting with the guys over at Gold Note Blending. And Gold Note is... I'm really excited to have them on with me because I uh, consider them a premier name in the uh, lending industry, in the mortgage industry. And so it's really going to be cool to have them on my show and Radio Free Allman and supporting it. So if you want to get to a situation where you are wanting to kind of push the lever a little bit and say, hey, good job or Give, give them props for even considering uh, this deal, then give them a call at Golden Oak Lending and, and, and say, hey, thanks for considering Almond and thanks for pushing Radio Free Almond. You can do that with everybody, Santino's, Matthew Mitchell, Eric. Do that with uh, Chris Kahneman, guys over at Arrowhead and uh, right there with uh, Discovery Design, Inc., Thank them for their support of Radio Free Allman. They're the, they're the ones uh, supporting the studio, supporting the paying the rent, doing all that kind of stuff, and and helping me out and helping us keep common sense radio alive here in St. Louis. It's a big deal. Some of you have been wondering about the progress of the uh, court case, and of course, uh, 
coming up. There, there will be others as well. Uh, but currently, the case I have against Entercom and Emmis is in federal court. And actually, next week, uh, the, the judge has uh, put us uh, into arbitration next week. And usually in a, in a federal court situation, normally judges push both parties into an arbitration stance. And uh, they, they, will, uh, they will push them into this because they don't want to have to – a trial is something they, they don't want to have to go through. It's just kind of a federal court thing. And so I am currently uh, – actually next week, the, the, the tail end of next week is when uh, we go into arbit- arbitration. I don't know what that's going to bring. Uh, you know, my, my, my opinion obviously is that we have this company, these companies dead to rights. They had uh, – Intercom had no authority to fire me because they didn't have my contract. And they wrong, wrongly fired me because they didn't have cause. They didn't have a social media policy. Any claim that they were losing advertisers is absolutely proven to be a complete falsity. Since we know uh, two of the advertisers were pretty meaningless in terms of uh, one was trade and one didn't want to leave, had no intention of leaving, but were pushed into it by their spokesperson. And then the other the Gelman team said they uh, wanted to come back after they announced they were leaving. Said it was just pressure from the Jewish community. Then we had, uh, then we had a, and which is weird anyway. And any claim somehow that it was costing money, they lost more money firing me than keeping me. In fact, they didn't lose hardly any money at all. Because the, the 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 number of people who left as a result of their firing me has put them in a situation where they haven't made a budget over there since I left. And their ratings suck. And so they've destroyed that station over there after firing me. And that, that's going to be easily proven too. And then on top of that, the only reason they did so is because Sinclair did. And my contract doesn't say that Sinclair dictates my fate. Nothing in my contract says that. And we will easily prove through depositions, and we're, we're even deposing the CEO of Entercom, and we'll easily prove, if it comes to a court situation, we'll easily prove that, that these individuals uh, – had no cause to fire me and only waited until Sinclair did before they did. And that's not cause. And and we have it on the record and we'll have it through depositions and on paper that they continually talked about. We don't care. This isn't a big deal. But if Sinclair acts, we're going to have to act. That's, that's, that's not cause. So we will, uh, we we're in a pretty good position with them. Arbitration uh, is it is it? Let me let me see what Scott has to say about this though. By the way, because I want to see what Scott this thing won't let me uh, let me do this. Um, can't see the rest of this. Uh, we'll pay. 
Uh, and a couple say they will pay a hundred. So you say a hundred million, then then they keep going in the case. It's a day wasted. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it, it it probably will be. We'll see. I mean, I'm I'm willing to see what they have to offer, but uh, but they were wrong, and we're going to make them know they're wrong. And I had two and a half years left on my contract, and they're paying me the remainder of my contract. You guys are wondering, too, then, what's, what's the next step? Well, that's, that's with the Stacey Newman and her dumb stepson, Drew. And they're next. And this will be a clear case of torturous interference in my contracts with my advertisers by a state operative. The state of Missouri is on the hook with a civil rights violation, and Stacey Newman's on the hook because she used her elected office to interfere with my advertiser contracts and also to silence my voice. And that will be the next step. And that's, that's going to be a more complicated case because it's going gonna, it's gonna to boil down to First Amendment issues and all those kinds of things. Uh, but the problem for her and and it's interesting. You look at a couple of things uh, in terms of the, the the freezes we have. Where one day Stacey Newman on her Facebook described herself as an elected state representative when she was talking about me. The next day she erased it. Then it was just Stacey Newman, and she didn't have her elected representative description there. And that's because someone, probably her stupid husband, who's a lawyer himself, probably said, um, I wouldn't do that if I were you. You're an elected state representative and you're trying to get somebody fired. And you're also interfering with their contracts. I wouldn't make too much of the fact that you're a state representative. And she took his advice and erased it. But social media and, and pictures you can take kind of have a way of coming and biting you in your ass. And so one day, Stacey Newman, state representative, blah, 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 blah. Next day, Stacey Newman. Yeah, somebody sent her the message, but too late. And, of course, all, all out on Twitter, state representative Stacey Newman, you know, boycott this, boycott that, boycott this. Alan Dershowitz has said pointedly that boycotts that are designed to silence other voices – particularly when they are initiated by elected state officials are not protected by the first amendment so that's going to be that's going to be trouble for the uh for the Newman crew and someone said yeah but do you, do they have anything you can take i said yeah oh yeah lots so that'll be our next and then of course we'll have the then of course See, this takes a while because, you know, my attorneys, you know, on the one hand, they're working on this case with Intercom and Emmis, and then uh, you don't – yes, Jimmy, screenshots are good. The screenshot technology is fantastic. It's kind of like, like the screenshot we got on Mother's Day when Stacey Newman's dumb stepson Drew, who has been very quiet lately and probably wisely so, uh, had a Mother's Day greeting for his – stepmom and he congratulated her on being uh like Tony Soprano 
So our own version of Tony Soprano. Happy Mother's Day to our, well, I'm just kind of paraphrasing, and I have the screenshot somewhere, but happy Mother's Day to uh, our own version of Tony Soprano. And that was a mistake because because that tells you everything you need to know about the motives of of her and, and, and her son. Because they were celebrating, because this is right after, of course, uh, right after the uh, the situation revolving around um, Eric Greitens, too. So this is what uh, her dumb stepson Drew did on Mother's Day, which she'll regret. The deplorables think she's Tony Soprano. So I nicknamed her the Godmother. Happy Mother's Day to Stacy Newman, the most badass stepmom on the planet. Huh. Wonder why he did that. Why did he compare her to a uh, mafia don? Well, because she had a couple of scalps. And that was her motivation. Unfortunately, when you're state representative and you're using the power of your state office to interfere with private citizens uh, and their contracts, and you are using the power of your state office and your name to get somebody fired by silencing their voice, that creates a real problem for you down the line. And it will. I friggin' guarantee you. And then, of course, next stop will be the media. Uh, next stop will be the media. And uh, the Washington Post will be there. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch will be there. The Riverfront Times will be there. And so will the New York Times. And so will the uh, Washington Press. It's a little outfit. It's like the Riverfront Times. And uh, they will all be sued for libel because they said, as a matter of fact, that I threatened to sexually assault David Hogg, which cannot be proven true. And we will be able to prove that these headlines were written with malice. And the evidence we will use is not only the headlines themselves, but the fact that they changed them right after they put them out there. And so you asked the Washington Post, why did you change that headline you wrote about me threatening to sexually assault David Hogg to just calling it a vulgar tweet? Well, because you libeled me. That's why. And somebody saw the headline and said, hey, um, guys, it's going to cost you money. You just, you just said a guy threatened to sexually assault a 17-year-old boy when there was no such thing happening there. And we'll be able to obviously prove that. So uh, that's, that's down the line. So th- these things take time, uh, and, they, uh, and, and you can't do everything at once. And there's no real statute of limitations on this kind of stuff. So I've got all the time in the world – and they've got all the time in the world to sit and wait for me to come. So enjoy your wait, Stacy and Drew. 
and enjoy your wait, editors and reporters, because uh, that's all coming too. So people were asking me where, where things are, and, and I just wanted to give you an update on, on that's where things are. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody any information. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, it's not me tipping anybody off. Uh, there's, there's nothing you, they can do to go back in time and change their actions or change what they put out there or anything else. So, uh, they're, they're, there's, they're, they can prepare, give them a heads up. It's coming. So you may give them a, give them a fighting chance to prepare their defense. I guess that's the, that's the worst it could be by me, be me talking about it, but, uh, it's going to be, uh, but 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 you can, but they can't erase what they did. They can't erase what they printed because I've got I've got it all. I've got pictures of it everywhere, all over the place, cataloged. They can't they can't stop tweeting or close off their Facebook page or do what Drew did and decide he's not really going to tweet anymore or anything else because you've already. You've already tweeted enough, buddy. So that's that's how that's how things are going, and I I'm really confident about the uh, the intercom Emma situation. And and people are saying, well, why why do, why do this? Why are you why are you pursuing this? I said, well, you know what? I'm pursuing it because at some point, uh, cowardly corporations and corrupt media outlets and left-wing corrupt people like Stacey Newman need to be held to account. Otherwise, it's going to happen to others behind me. And I don't think it's right. I don't want this to happen to any anybody else. I don't want uh, this to happen to somebody else on the air. I, I, I don't want this to happen to a citizen out there where your business is uh, pressured or or harassed or intimidated by a state elected official. I don't want businesses to have to go through that again. Where you have you have a person who actually is a state representative who uh, actually could make your life miserable as a business, telling you to cut off your financial dealings with somebody she doesn't like, that's, that's totalitarianism. That's, that's, a, that's a Soviet Union type of activity. And I don't want that to happen. Some of my advertisers who wound up leaving 97.1, they, they went through hell. Dr. DePuty's office, because of Stacey Newman utilizing her state office, to intimidate and harass Naputi. They did the same thing to Arrowhead Building Supply. They did the same thing to Matthew Mitchell. They, they, she intimidated them. Now, if you're Arrowhead Building Supply or you're Eric Naputi and there's a state representative telling you to break off your financial dealings with someone she politically disagrees with, and actually had nothing to do with David Hogg and everything to do with the Parkway School District, that's an intimidating thing. Stacey Newman could introduce a bill that could, uh, that could effectively put Deputy Wellness out of business. 
She could interview. Uh, she could introduce a bill that could hamper the ability of Arrowhead Building Supply or Discovery Design to conduct business. She could. She could. She could institute regulations that could uh, make it impossible for them to do business. She could uh, change uh, insurance regulations or help do that as a state representative and make it really hard for Matthew Mitchell to do his work. So it's only through their consummate bravery that these individuals withstood the pressure from a state official in supporting me. It's, it's, it's only by their courage that they resisted this, as did most of my advertisers. And I appreciate, too, Southern Armory. They don't, they, I didn't even do advertising for them, and they told 97.1 to kiss off after the 97.1 fired me. So good for them. I, I, I encourage you to thank them for that. So, so they, they, there were people who didn't even... I didn't even like, for instance, I, I didn't even do live endorsements for her who quit ninety seven one over this. So, uh, Entercom and Emmis destroyed their own radio station just because they are cowards and because they couldn't stand up to the left wing thuggery of Stacey Newman and all the other people out there and couldn't stand up to the left-wing thuggery of the news media. And they wound up destroying it. There are people out there, they're there who uh, are just shells of themselves now because of Entercom's actions towards me. I don't, I don't want that to happen. I, I don't wish that upon anybody, but not my, my fault. So that's where we are. So I just want to give you that update. On, uh, on what's happening out there. I'm sure it's kind of intriguing for some of you too because it's kind of like, it's, uh, it's kind of dramatic, you know. It's pain in the ass for me, but it's dramatic still for you guys and I'm more than happy to, to uh, keep things dramatic for you. <laughs> right? Right. I told you at the very beginning, right? Remember? I told you at the very beginning that this is going to be tough but fun. I think it was the first video I ever did in my backyard. So it's turning out every every bit. I, well, come on. When I speak, it just comes to pass. I told you guys. I'm not right all the time. But normally I can I can prognosticate and predict it. Yeah. It's been tough. And yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. Gonna have Jim Talent in with us. Gonna follow up on the Manafort case. I don't know. They're 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 starting to deliberations today. Whether or not they actually come up with a verdict today, I don't know. And also, by the time tomorrow comes, there still will be no tape of Donald Trump saying the N-word. Just so you know. Have a good rest of your day, everybody.